This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday to you. Top of the morning. I'm telling you. I made it in a week. Hmm? Yeah. You got here for Friday. It's back. After it's, the show, we're like, is Matt going to be here tomorrow? I have it's secondary Friday. infections. I have all these other things going on there. I think you almost get a pass if you, you're sick on Tuesday, on Thursday. I think yeah. it's just accepted that Friday you're gone. Yeah, but, but see, hey, I... Thanks for soldiering on. I felt so bad. When was it? Wednesday night? But whatever. You guys are good. Yeah. You don't need me to cry for you. Who we ought to be crying for is Putin. Yeah, he's getting beat up a little bit, isn't he? And now he's he's up the ante a bit. Look, Mr. Obama, if you're going to keep getting these scurrilous attacks, then yeah. give us some proof. Yep. Show us the evidence that Russia did this. That's the next step because it's you read it, every newspaper report says sources in the exactly. intelligence community. So he's just been called out. So all the president has to do in his he's having some presser thing today. Yep. All he has to do is just lay down the evidence. He's he's taking over the press briefing at two o'clock Eastern. Is he really? Yeah, he just walks into the media room and sits there for uh, forever. And, and I mean, they're they're interesting, but yeah. a lot of times it's you know. This is the last press briefing he will be doing this year. And then I guess in January he'll probably do one more. Maybe, yeah. I mean, he's done. Turn out the lights. Well, don't, because they're still there. Yeah. This is uh, I imagine they're going. on a timer. He's taking on Putin. They're head to head. So do you think he'll lay down the evidence? I don't know. I because don't so. the problem is, is if, if it's... I mean, there's members of Congress who are asking for information, right? Well, that sit on certain like intelligence committees. There's electoral college members. Well, there's that, that and that's on Monday. Oh yeah. So Monday we'll see if the electoral college passes President Trump's electoral votes. They will. Happens. They They, They will for sure. There's there's too many of them that are bound by state constitution. Right. Hmm. And so if, if people go a different way, it's just sort of a kind of a useless protest. Right? I, think, I think this, again, I think is just more of the press and just the left's inability to get over this. I mean, it may, I mean, this is like they can't stomach it. But does there need to be an investigation? Yeah. Well, unless the president t- tomorrow can or today can just lay it out. Yeah. Here, here it is. Yeah. If you just give the evidence, we'd all be like, oh, well, yeah. But, but I, it might be that it's not conclusive, which is why the FBI isn't fully on board right. and the CIA is on board because they don't need to, you know, have it. It doesn't have to be without, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. They'll, they'll give you an 80 percent probability and that's their best assessment. Well, and many are saying we've started many a war with that level of yes. accuracy. <laughs> so Absolutely. Plus um, – Well, now they're trying to rewrite it saying the CIA did not – have the information it wasn't oh. their recommendation to go to iraq that's what nancy pelosi was saying yesterday on tv oh she was saying it was simply the bush white house that led us to war and they go what about the intelligence yeah. agencies that had all no 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 it wasn't no. them oh. and then you can listen to interviews from 2008 sure. where they're like yeah we had bad information you know what will make it all better today we're celebrating chocolate covered anything day there you go 
Oh, yeah. Forgot we were doing this. <laughs> He's like, what? This Why is the gift. Oh. You give the people the simple gift of something that's covered in chocolate. And nobody does it better than the Motab. Mormon Tabernacle Choir. We should we should think up things that would possibly be bad. Though well, that's covered what I was chocolate. thinking. Yeah, I've got one. Because it's easy to find things that are good. Everything in chocolate isn't better. Fondue exists because yeah. things are good in chocolate. How about and a cheese, stapler? Apparently. Is a stapler better with well, chocolate? If you licked a stapler without chocolate, that'd be pretty bad. Well, hold it. But if you licked a stapler covered in chocolate, yeah, you'd still get chocolate. Yeah, but what, let's, let's just say we used the stapler to staple something. You're not going to... And it was covered in chocolate. You're not going to try to taste the stapler? I mean, there's Well, there's you'd chocolate. have to clean your hands after okay. by licking them. But you're not going to be licking it no. off a stapler? But imagine okay. the paper you stapled be mm. covered in chocolate. Well, I mean, mm. you, you know, practical usage of the stapler, yes, that would be yeah. difficult. But it's covered in chocolate. But no one's eating staplers. Yet. True. If you put it in Jello, you got to eat it, like on the office. How do you so get it true. out? So true. So true. Don't you think this uh, conversation's so much better with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir behind us? Oh, I'll play it again. Hold on. Because we could have like played a commercial for a chocolate company. We could have. Or the Willy Wonka theme. But would we? I don't know if that would. Can we do that? No. Are we legally mm-hmm. no, able no. to play? When, if in question, no. If in doubt, Mormon tabernacle it out. There you go. <laughs> That's our new theme. Okay. So much to talk about. Today we'll be getting to the uh, a great um, interview about adversity. Hmm. It's your greatest ally. I mean, you might hate it, but it's your greatest ally. I thought the British were our greatest ally. They're our special relationship ally. ally. Oh, okay. Some would say they're, they present their own adversity. They do. But adversity, is it your friend or your foe? We'll be getting into that in just a few minutes. But first to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's up? Thanks, Matt. A federal jury on Thursday convicted Dylan Roof of killing nine black churchgoers uh, last year at the Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina. The 12 jurors took two hours to deliberate and find the 22-year-old racist killer guilty on all counts. Roof, uh, Roof faces either life in prison or execution. His sentencing phase begins in the new year. President Barack Obama has promised to take action against Russia for its alleged hacking campaign during the U.S. presidential election. The excerpts of the interview on NPR released Thursday night. Obama said he has already spoken to Russian President Vladimir Putin about his about the revelations of Russian meddling in the U.S. presidential election and promises that we will strike back at our own time and doing, I don't know, yeah. something vague. Uh, the Federal Bureau of Investigation is conducting a criminal investigation into a post-election breach of the U.S. agency in charge of making sure voting machines meet security standards. The breach of the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission became known after a security firm stumbled upon login information for the agency being sold <laughs> at an underground electronic market. Wow. The, the U.S. Election Assistance Commission released a statement Thursday reassuring that no voter info had been released in the breach. Huh. It, so the voting machines weren't hacked, but the commission that makes sure that they're all up to snuff, I guess, up to par. It sounds hacked. like we were more worried about Russia yeah. than local election officials. Yeah. So, that so there maybe, was no ricin, right? No ricin? No ricin. Okay. No ricin. So mm. your TV show did not happen. 
Uh, Facebook on Thursday announced specific steps to combat the spread of fake news, including flagging hoax stories and hiring fact checkers to verify articles, which is interesting Interesting, since they had some of those types yeah, of employees they... and they fired them all. Mm-hmm. We're committed to doing our part, says Facebook Vice President of Product Development, Adam Morrissey. It's important to us that the stories you see on Facebook are authentic and meaningful. The group of fact checkers will work under the Pointer Insta- uh, International Fact Checking Network, hmm. which is a journalistic organization. The new pop-up on unfounded articles will read, Before you share this story, you might want to know that independent fact checkers dispute its accuracy. Yeah, they'll have a little, they'll have like a, instead of a like, thumbs up, they'll have like a bunk. It'll just say bunk. And finally, the leading cause of death and disability in the U.S., which is strokes. Yeah. It affects nearly 800,000 adults every year. Now researchers are showing that for the first time that current and past marital status can play a big role in survival rates following a stroke. So, so being married increases survivability? After tracking the outcomes of more than 2,300 stroke survivors for five years, researchers report in the Journal of American Heart, uh, American Heart Association that 1,300 people died in that period and that, and that people who never married were 71% more likely to have died than stroke patients in lengthy, continuous marriages. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. People who had divorced or been widowed were also at higher risk of dying after the stroke. While the study doesn't explain exactly why, there were the American Heart Association researchers speculate that marriage couple married couples have better social support. Yeah. Not to mention someone helping the survivor follow medication regimens mm-hmm. and practice healthier habits. And when her husband actually is listening for three days straight to what she's saying, she knows something's wrong. Right. And she's like you must have had a stroke because you've been listening to me. There's someone watching out for you. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. I mean, that's my professional opinion. Yeah. It, it marriages saves lives. There's a perfect example. And, honey, did you take your stroke medicine? Yes, dear. So nagging saves lives, too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it takes lives, too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it saves more lives. Hey, that's a, a plug for marriage. Hmm. It'll help you live longer. And love stronger? Yeah. And lead healthier, happier lives. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Is it Friday? Yes, it is. Feels like it. We're coasting into the weekend. I feel less like I'm coasting. Really? I kind of feel more like... Runaway train? A, one of my wheels came off my mm. car. And I'm kind of wedged up against the the rail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does this reflect how you feel? Exactly. Minus the upbeat. Oh, minus the zings. No whistles? Yeah. Foink! Blonk. So uh, wait, what do you think about that? Facebook is going to try to curtail fake news. Okay, here's the dilemma. Yeah. Because many people argue that mainstream media has thrown out more fake news than even fake news media. Right. So... Are they so now? Let me get this straight. Facebook is going to be censoring the no, New no, York no. Times. Not censoring. There's an independent debun- third party. Yeah, okay, so the, the independent yep. third party, paid for by and, and supported by Facebook, is sure. going to have somebody's going to have to pay for all this. Right. Then they're going to be independently reviewing news to determine what is real news, what is fake news. Like right now, if we don't have the evidence, we just have 
like the CIA statements. Sources, yes. So that's but that's now considered not fake news, even though we can't clarify the sources because right. they want to be anonymous. This is the massive hairball they've just fallen into and you can't get out of because yeah. what are huh. what but, the, you, but you, it's, it's needed i mean there's... i saw this morning you have breitbart you have uh drudge report and you have oh, yeah. Infowars. right yeah. all three of them are like look they're coming after us <laughs> they couldn't shut us down this way but yeah it's you can't also sit there and claim that hillary clinton and a pizza parlor and a pizza parlor and, is yeah. Doing things to children. You no, know, I blame Brian Williams. I totally do too. Yeah, he was fake Brian Williams. Too. Nothing Brian Williams said for years should make it on Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg put this on his Facebook yesterday. He goes, I understand how sensitive this is, and I have instructed our team to proceed carefully and focus on fighting spam, not flagging opinions. I want to be especially careful about never being arbiters of truth ourselves, which is why we're working with third-party fact-checkers. We will keep looking for unbiased third parties to add to our list of reviewers. It is an early test, and I'm going to keep a close eye on it to make sure we're fighting actual spam and hoaxes and not limiting people's freedom of expression. Yeah. I don't know how you can do that, but that's a good idea. By the way, he he just slipped in the word unbiased because, again, the journalists are the fourth branch of government, right? And so now officially they're not anymore. Right. The new fourth branch of government would be Zuckerberg's unbiased third parties. Hmm. Yeah. That's where it gets tough. You okay there? It just seems – I just think we're going down a way. I mean I, I get – I know why we got to do it. Yeah. But it might make more sense if the reader just flipped on that switch in their head and just said, hey – just doesn't gonna, seem right. Is that going to happen? Yeah, I doubt it. Hmm. So now Mr. Zuckerberg is going to help people flip that switch. Or at okay. least give you a, a warning saying, hey, there's something in this that might be a little sideways. By the way, again, this was the same organization that was in trouble for uh, adjusting news flow on well, their site. Allegedly, that was one employee. One, that yeah, came one, out. yeah, just one employee. But yeah. from a biased organization. That guy, he was fired, too, so yeah. he had a grudge. So, again. I know. Everything's got a spin to it. Again, this is why, as human beings, you got to use your head. <sighs> what we ought to be able to do <laughs> is you ought to be able to have a bunk button. Okay. And when somebody sends you bad news that's mm. just not right, you can put a bunk sign on it. And if enough people bunk it... But do people make that differentiation between not right and I don't agree? No, but it'd be fun to bunk stuff. Okay. Don't you think? I guess. Like we always debunk it. I think this is a much bigger problem. I don't think some third party is going to step in and make any real difference other than possibly muddying the waters more. That's right. But it also – and giving us all a false sense that it's being taken care of. Instead, it's the reader's responsibility. And when the first dragon flying over New York City story (laughs) is trending on Facebook, we'll see that it doesn't work. That happened the other day. It could. I don't know. I'm not saying dragons don't exist. I watch TV. Yeah. The the dragons do exist. Have you ever heard of Pete? He's got a dragon. I've heard of Puff. Puff's another dragon. Pete's dragon. Puff the magic dragon. Are they the same dragon? I think they're distant cousins. Yeah, related. Have you ever have you ever tamed a dragon? I've trained a dragon. Have you? Yeah. If you if you'd like, I could show you how to train a dragon. How do you train a dragon? Well, first you have to lose a limb 
Okay. And then... Uh, Sounds horrible. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's why we're talking about adversity. Up next, adversity is your greatest ally, according to our next guest. Does that seem to jive with your life? How has adversity changed you? We'll be talking about it up next, right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. I found a really interesting article um, on Dr. Oz, The Good Life. You know Dr. Oz. Yeah. Oprah's... The Wizard? Yeah. Yeah. The Doctor Wizard. Uh, 20 of the most ridiculous excuses for calling in sick to work. Lately, I've been calling in sick a lot. And they've all been really bad excuses. Yeah. I mean, all I ever say is, hey, I've got a fever... I coughed up a lung. Hmm. Not coming in. Were you prescribed with more cowbell? Yeah. Since you had a fever? You always bring on the cowbell. More cowbell helps. Here's uh, some of the top 20 worst, most ridiculous excuses for calling in sick. Uh, My llama is sick. My llama. Hmm. Have you ever had your llama sick and then you got to stay home because you can't leave a llama home? My llama sounds like my lanta. Mm. Are they related? Well, if you're sick enough, you take some my my llama. Hmm. How about the ozone in the air flatten my tires? Ooh, I've tried that one and it didn't work. I think Tom Brady used that one about the footballs. (laughs) My pressure cooker exploded and scared my sister, so we're staying home today. Wow. I mean, scared my <laughs> pressure cookers are they're dangerous they they you know terrorists use them uh i'm the pallbearer for a funeral of my wife's cousin's pet that you know that's too confusing that they'd probably accept that one just like uh oh, just come back tomorrow I'm so sorry what did they die of uh heartworm <laughs> that's a bad one i i'm blocked in by the police that are raiding my home Ooh, see, now that's valid. Well, I mean, you're not going to leave in the middle of a raid. Right. Especially if the raid is on you. Exactly. I'm kind of I'm kind of stuck here, but I'll get in as soon as I can. Uh, see if you can move that meeting back till 11. Like five, maybe five to ten. Five to ten. Move it back five to ten. Uh, I have to testify against a drug dealer and was mugged by my dealer's friend. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Or, yeah, the mafia boss has sent some hitman after me. Mm. Oh, this is a very personal. My roots are showing, so I need to keep my hair appointment. Ooh. You know? That is huge for a man or a woman. Oh, yeah. I mean, how many times have you said, there's my gray. My roots are showing. Yeah. (sighs) I ate cat food because I thought it was tuna. Have you ever, honestly, <laughs> have you ever um, watched that's, a cat food? That's not really food, an excuse as much as a fact. Uh, have you ever watched a cat food commercial and thought, just for a second, that looks good? Oh, yeah. Like, that looks good. Those are savory chunks of beef, <laughs> beef, as Jim Gaffigan would say. Um, yeah, you need, to, you need to warm that up. If that, if that was, if you, cook, if you heated that up. I mean, you don't just take it out of a can. Put a little mic on that. And they make it look that. so fancy with the parsley. 
sprinkled on top. Yeah. Mm. Um, here's one that no, I actually heard one of you give me the other day. Uh, the hair removal cream I use under my arms caused a chemical burn. I can't put my arms down. Are we going to out that person? No, Terry would be ticked. Oh, oh just did. <laughs> oh, we're having fun. It's Friday, folks. Um, I'm bowling the game of my life, so I can't make it into my office. Mm. What do you think about that, by the way? My son just informed me that he made one of our athletic teams at our high school. Was it the bowling team? It was the bowling team. Really? And I said, do you make that team? He says, well, when I play, I make it. I make the team a team. And he says... Uh, it's really hip, and all the girls think it's cool. See, I don't think that was a good excuse. I'm having the game of my life. You could be bowling like a 67, and that could be the game of your life. That's true. That could be your best score. That's what my teenage boy asked for bowling shoes. The clown shoes? Yeah. But, like, so do you actually buy your kid bowling shoes? I, I think they're a scam. Yeah. I'll just, let him wear shoes. My, I'll just let them wear my golf shoes. I only mm. wear those like four times a year. I think the... Uh, take the spikes out. The spikes might, yeah, harm the... No. Um, hmm. Hey, here's a great excuse for not coming into work. I have things... I have better things to do. Now, are there any of these that wouldn't get you fired on the spot? Uh, how about I had too much... Fun at the party last night. Okay. We had our company party last night. And uh, what if you just had too much fun there? Now, that might work if you said something to the effect of, went to the company party and so-and-so must have slipped something into my drink. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's, that's legit. Just throw somebody else under the bus. Uh, I was bit by a duck. Ooh. You ever been bitten by a duck? Uh, twice. I used to have a duck. I used to have two ducks. Sundance and Butch Cassidy. Mm. Butch and the Sundance. Didn't kid. they both die? My ducks? Yeah. No. I just had to get my ducks in order. Send them. My mom sent them off to camp. She said, I came home after school. They were gone. My parents were divorced and my dad got me the ducks. Which is like the fastest way to ruin a divorce co-parenting relationship. And then they slipped you a plate with some mysterious meat on it. Oh, it was great meat. It's wonderful mm. meat. Who footed the bill? Uh, for the meat or for the ducks? For the duck. My <laughs> – that's, that's so rude. <laughs> I love those things. We went to a wedding a few years later and my mom's like, look at these ducks. Because one of them might be yours. Because there was a duck pond. She had she got rid of my ducks and took them to this reception center. And they raised them to adulthood. You know, it kind of <sighs> reminds me of my old favorite saying, mind over mallard. That's a great one. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. Really good stuff. Anyway, um, there's a lot of excuses to get out of work. But the only one that really matters is I'm sick. And I've used that a lot lately. We will take a break. And when we, when we come back, we'll have some Christmas news for you. 
Stick with us with folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Crazy news out of Six Flags. What is going on with the, ever since Brexit and Trump, mm. now Six Flags is going sideways. A Texas man resembling Santa Claus ended up on Six Flags' naughty list on Saturday. Jerry Henderson got in trouble for looking like Santa and handing out candy to kids at the theme park. Jerry Henderson and his wife visit Six Flags over Texas almost every weekend, walk around the park for exercise. His routine has been going on for three years, and he'd never seen had a problem doing this until now. This ain't a costume, insisted Henderson, who for almost 20 years has maintained a resemblance to Santa Claus. What? A beard and maybe a little overweight? Is that a well, resemblance? And some elves and a little red suit. Rolls up in a sleigh? <laughs> Henderson wears the same Christmas-themed vest mm. and hat every day. He says, I go to Walmart like this. <laughs> of course you do. And I've seen your pictures. <laughs> this is me, he said. Uh, he said, I enjoy making kids smile. Henderson got in trouble after, he says, a woman asked him to pose for a picture with her children. He knelt down, put my arms around them, and afterward I reached in my wife's walker, pulled out two candy canes, handed it to them, recalled Henderson, and then he was probably tased by park security. See, there you go. There's the giveaway that they're not Santa and uh, Mrs. Claus. She had a walker. Mrs. Uh, Claus doesn't have a walker. That's a great point. She's an able-bodied woman. Well, plus, doesn't she just have a couple of elves that she leans on? Oh, there's that too. So the park is now saying, you can't hand out candy. That's a park violation. You can't. That he's violating the costume policy. Mm-hmm. No costumes. And they basically said, if you go home, shave off your beard, lose that ugly sweater vest, come on back. So wait a minute. Is this Six Flags in Provo, Utah? You're not allowed to have a beard? Texas. No, it's in Texas. Oh, I I see. Yeah. Uh, It's kind of famous. It's a famous place. (laughs) A very famous anti-Santa place. Apparently. And anti-beards. Well, an anti-unauthorized Santa. Because he he didn't work for them. And you can kind of see where the park's coming from. Someone who's not... Someone who we've vetted is handing out candy to our customers. But what if he is the real Santa? Then maybe they should just hire him. Yeah. They should. But they're not doing that. So knock it off. Isn't that the whole story... Christmas on 40... 34th Street. 38... Miracle on 34th Street. Miracle on 64th 27th West. That was the whole story about that. 34th and Turner. He was the real clause. (laughs) Sorry, Mr. Henderson. I hope Christmas isn't ruined. He'll be okay. He still has Walmart. Good point. 
<laughs> they apparently don't care. Good point. Any other uh, Christmas other, headlines? This morning, I was going through our, our Twitter feed, because you know I do that. Yeah, you love and, it. And the first thing that popped up from Wired Magazine, a review of the perfect gift, I think, for oh, you. Oh, perfect. Let's hear about it. So if we can get somebody on this. Well, maybe my wife's listening. How much do you value toasty toes? Pardon? Do you like having your toes toasty? Toasty meaning like in a toaster? Like comfortable and warm versus yes, a li- cold I, li- I don't like cold feet. Okay. Yeah. So there'd be some value in that to you. There, yeah. If totally. someone gave you a product to help you with that, you would use it. My feet pretty much, uh, it's almost like natural. They just stay warm. And there's some people that really like to have some warm feet. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I need a product for that. But maybe you you know, you know could have a temperature control system. My wife system needs and- the product because her feet are cold, and then she tries to warm them on me. Okay. Yeah, Would this be good for brides? Who are getting cold feet? Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Could be. It's great. So it's Thermosel's ProFlex heavy-duty heated insoles. Mm. Right? So heavy-duty heated insoles. Oh. They should be fairly self-explanatory for a pair of uh, ProFlex inserts. Feature a thick sole with a heated element embedded inside. So it's yeah. an insole, yeah. insole insert, insert for your foot, your shoe. A slim battery padded on one side slides into the spot where your heel goes. When you're out of juice, both batteries slip into a USB-powered recharger. That's great. The whole affair is operated via Bluetooth courtesy a smartphone app. How cool. So you just go, boop, turn it so on your phone. So if you're going to you're... ball games, if your kids play a lot of uh, curling. It says, for reasonably chilly toes, the system works better than the reviewer would expect. While the three heated levels promise temperatures ranging from 100 to 150, 115 degrees, which seems kind of hot to me. He goes, all three tend to really hover around 90. So wait a minute. If you're away from the home... And is there like a remote where you can get the get the heater started so that when you get to the shoes they're nice and warm? I think you just click your oh. heels. Don't you just click your heels? Preheated shoes. Ah, oh. how's that? That'd that's, be nice. That's living large right there. Well, this makes a lot of sense if you're a construction worker and you're on your feet, and or if even if you're a short construction worker, this has got to give you a half inch. Uh, they say because it's 90 to 95 degrees. He says it's far from scorching, but plenty warm. Uh, yeah. If the ambient temperature is uh, at or around freezing, enough to keep your feet warm, but not sweaty. That's key. Oh, totally. You don't want sweaty. That's uncomfortable. Because the minute you have to like put antiperspirant on your feet because yeah. your shoe inside. He says the fit... It depends on your shoe. It can be, you know, you get a feeling of cramped. And you, there's no, usually with insoles, you can trim them up. This, yeah. These are kind of a set no, these thing. get electrocuted. So, yeah. It says the battery life promised at eight and a half hours. The guy only managed to get half that on a mix of high and low heat levels. So uh, it's kind of a mixed thing there. And then there's the price. Well, hold on. What is the price? What do you think? What well, would you pay for I, Bluetooth connected? Well, I paid for my uh, orthotics for my plantar fasciitis. I paid $300 a pair. Oh, wow. So these can't be more than that. These are $200. Oh, yeah. It's a steal. See, I feel like I would have to have one shoe that's hot and then the other one that's cold to balance it out. Well, is that kind of like you putting one leg out of the covers and one leg in the covers and that's how you balance your Yeah. It says there's an error. The app's kind of buggy. You have to. It goes for best uh, execution. You have to have the phone right next to the shoe. Yeah, that's kind when of you change the temperature. Right? What you doing, Larry? <laughs> I'm just cr- rebooting my boot. And they don't. Uh, they do at least link the two sides of the soles together for you, though. So while you can control foot temperature independently, you don't have to. 
you can choose independent. What? Uh, what you, if you want a hot right foot and a cold left what, foot? Let me let me just ask you this. Yeah, go ahead. What What about just using socks? Or as this guy says, three dollar pair of chemical warmers. I mean, you can go to any outdoor store right. and they get a little little thing and, and you just pull yeah. them in and out. Yeah, as these, needed. These like are more warmers. expensive. Yeah, so. and it's Bluetooth. And you could do it with your phone. Wait, what happens when you step in a puddle? I know. <laughs> do you get electrocuted? Then you die. Another trend. You know about that. Another trend that's creeping people out is uh, the new and holiday surveillance. Okay, this is weird. So you have the, the elf on the shelf. Hey, You've heard of this, right? Mom, what's this flashing light here in the bathroom? That's now, Daddy's new surveillance. Tool. Now there are Christmas ornaments designed with a camera in oh, the ornament that you weird. hang on your tree yeah. to provide a, a video feed so Santa can determine who is naughty and who is nice. Oh, is it run by the shelf elf on a shelf? Well, no, it probably goes to the parents' phone so they can see what the kids are doing. Wow. That's creepy. They aren't commercially made, though. You can get them on Etsy. So okay. someone's hmm. making them out of their house. I just did a voiceover last night for a USB charger camera, hidden camera. Really? With You can get the audio, too. Wow. Mm-hmm. Look at you. A little extra side work. This, this person that makes these calls them the Santa Surveillance System. They've sold four to 500 sets. They're about 12 bucks. That's good. And, That's a good price. Uh, her cameras are backed by, quote, the authority of the North Pole Department of Behavioral Investigations. You know what? I think we're taking that one a little far. I'm pretty sure Grandpa or Santa Claus doesn't need to be into surveillance. Really? How's he going to know? He knows. How do you know who's naughty and who's nice? He's got Christmas magic. Okay. And he's got parents that That tattle. That seems like sources say and... No, he's got parents that'll tattle on him. Okay. You don't need... Once we start getting into surveillance, where does this end? I think you're, yeah, mm -hmm. there's a slippery slope here. Totally. It's interesting. So uh, how did Santa get around the world? I mean, the story is that Santa goes around the world at one night. He drops all the presents off. I was talking to my five-year-old yesterday. Yeah. He goes, Dad, he flies all around the world, drops off all the presents, and he's really tired. He needs a nap. Have you heard of FedEx, yeah. UPS? That's it. I was telling him how Santa takes a vacation. Yeah. Because he goes, does Santa have only red suits in his closet or is there any other clothes? And I go, well, it's all red suits. It's all red. And then he has like a pair of like orange Bermuda shorts. Well, and he has a Christmas, a Christmas vest that, that he wears. Well, apparently there's a vest. Six flags. Six flags. He goes there every weekend. So Dr. Katie Sheen from Exeter University calculated that Santa and his reindeer would have to travel about 10 million kilometers per hour to complete his nightly round on the 25th. <laughs> Yeah, so... 10 million kilometers per hour. Yeah, squeezing down narrow chimneys, moving around without being seen or heard, and delivering presents to 700 million children in a single night. Mm. Not all of them actually observing Christmas by have you. Okay, so what's the problem? Yeah. She calculated that Santa's reindeer would have to travel, as we said, 10 million kilometers per hour to deliver the presents to every child and do it, and it would still take him 31 hours. So that's yeah. accounting for time zones. Yeah, but, right. Yeah, so, so he's got that. Time's working with him on that at 10 million kilometers I mean, per hour. It's all efficiency. Yeah. Einstein's theory of special uh, relativity or spatial well, special relativity objects objects traveling at high speeds become compressed in size. This means Father Christmas would shrink, allowing him to fit his bulging belly and huge <laughs> sack of presents down chimneys. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's how he does it. Mm-hmm. He's also able to move around unseen because light waves get squashed at high speeds. This means Santa, moving at more than 200 times faster than Usain Bolt, the world's fastest man, would change from red to green appearance as a rainbow-colored blur. At his top speed, he would become invisible to oh. the human eye. That's why we can't catch him. That's a green flash. Yeah. That makes sense. Einstein's theory of relativity could be used to explain Santa, Santa Claus's trip to the home of every child on Christmas Eve. It, it could also explain why Father Christmas appears not to have aged because relativity means time slows when an object moves at high speeds. See, this all adds up. It's Einstein. It's all just science. Yeah, this is why I should have studied more science. It, it just you could really explain all of this. The the scientists uh, want more rational explanation and has offered one herself. Twenty six later, so as a kid, she she looked at this. She wrote a letter to Father Christmas asking how this is done. I think she's discovered it. Well, it's interesting that scientists don't tend to be believers. If you were just a believer in Santa, you don't need to know how. Dr. Sheen hopes her theory will inspire youngsters to take an interest in physics. Yeah. Until they actually get into a physics class and you're like, oh, wait, this is math? Hold on. So (laughs) is that how Santa Claus – can you see that in a college class on physics? So, okay. So is that how Santa gets in all these places? I I have a feeling you may not be seen as credible. The question is she's saying he moves at high speed so that will shrink him down. Yeah. When he slows down to get into the house, does he – He doesn't slow down. He just keeps going at the same speed? Yeah. So you see a mother that has to like get five places and unload the groceries? Mm. She shrinks down. You're yeah. right. There's some speed there. So yesterday our guest tried to debunk the myth of Santa Claus and you've just proved that yeah. he exists. It's science. Hold on. Somebody tried to de- I'm out, I'm out of the show. I'm <laughs> off the show for a day. And someone is on the show trying to debunk. There were I, I tears know, shed. I don't know if he was debunking. He was just when you're talking about uh, things that are hard to prove, right? Yeah. As they said, no one has seen this guy. Santa? Santa. He's fast, He was just right? seen at Six Flags. Well, okay. Is that one of his helpers? Because he's also at the mall. No. I saw him at the grocery store the other day, sponsored by an insurance company. Did he have a real beard or a No, but they had great he's rates. omnipresent. Mm-hmm. Good point. Man. See? Santa. I got to keep tighter reins. On, on the, the show. show. <laughs> I hope we didn't lose listeners because... No, no, no. We, we, we issued trigger warnings. We let people know this was happening. This was just kind of an open discussion. Man. I hope he didn't bring up socialism. He oh. did. Oh, boy. <laughs> Off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll take a break, folks. Come right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. It's Friday, and we wanted to uh, help you with your holiday shopping. Uh, last uh, segment, we went through some gifts you might want to look into, including uh, included uh, shoe inserts that heat up for you and a nanny cam that's an ornament that can spy on your children to see if they're naughty or nice. You don't think that's a productive 
time for your holiday celebrations. Well, let's so say let's say can... your wife or whatever goes out shopping and you just want to watch Netflix all day. Okay. Now the nanny cam's on. Mm-hmm. Do you turn it around? Well, you just have to know where it is. And but the, if I turn it off, then my wife will know that I turned off the camera. Well, you need to do the the thing they always do on TV and make a loop. Yeah. Of the camera feed. Oh, that's a great. So they just know. <laughs> I or just shoot it because everyone knows how camera to, everybody knows how to do that right just to yeah. loop the feed yeah just loop the feed yeah yeah and you sense. just take a doohickey plug it in the side because that's what they do on TV that's yeah. how they got everybody off the bus in speed they loop the feed it fooled Dennis Hopper well you guys watch way too many movies <laughs> what uh, what do we do with all the presents so, that we're yeah, just done with yesterday we don't want. Was, yesterday was regifting day yeah we talked about what what do you do with unwanted gifts Matt you get I, a gift you I, don't you, I give it away immediately to someone else okay. I re-gift it. Like the next year or? As soon as I can. Do you find like it's the 27th? You're like, oh, I forgot to get you your gift. No. You one of those as soon things? As, we actually wait for our neighbors to bring us something so I can then go give something to the next neighbor. We usually hang on to it. My wife's office does a uh, white elephant yeah, type situation. Yeah. And we've gotten away with, we've given away all kinds of stuff. Good you, stuff. Have you ever re-gifted something that was engraved with yeah. your name on it? <laughs> I, I, have, I have re-gifted a personally autographed book before. Well, a Burger King location in Miami has the perfect solution for the holiday gifts you don't want. Exchange them at their store for delicious Whoppers. Really? Uh, December 26th, if you've spent all day smiling at your great aunt and saying, I totally needed this, from 10.30 to 5.30 p.m., this location in Miami will take your unwanted gift as if oh, it is wow. cash. See? There's also a location in London and Brazil doing the same thing. Burger King, you can have it your way. That's cool. I'm loving it. Oh, I'm wait. I'm loving Sorry. it. Sorry. That's McDonald's. Yeah. Darn it. I wonder if McDonald's is doing it. No, they're not. Probably not. Good people, news, folks. People re-gift their food all the time when they throw it up. <laughs> okay. We'll end on that note. <laughs> we'll be back, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. I just keep watching YouTube for more ideas for Christmas. <laughs> Care to share uh, what you've come across there? Um, not really. Okay. Maybe not. All right. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's nothing bad. Just, it's you know, not. It's just... Mixed company. Yeah. I believe yeah. that video was put together by uh, BYU people. I think I think it was. Um, so today we got a lot to talk about. Really. In fact, Ron Brokaw will be on the show. Ron is a distant cousin to Tom Brokaw, and he will be, uh, you know, on scene mm. of a, uh, a a guy that tried to rob a bank. Well, tried to rob five banks. Yeah, unsuccessfully, unsuccessfully. every one of them. Well, you know, if, if you fail, try, try again. If at first you don't succeed. Right. 
Just keep going. So he's part of the the empty news team. Empty. Uh, we have a brand new news team. In fact, he's the head of the empty news bureau. Ron Broca. The news director. He's the news director of MT News. Matt Townsend Show News. Okay. We'll be getting to all of that fun. Plus, did you guys know that there's it's good for your baby that you do baby talk? I was told it wasn't. Well You're it, supposed to speak to your child as if you're speaking to an adult and then they, they realize this is the correct way to speak. No. And you're not creating possible impediments. Yeah, no, you're wrong. That's wrong. Interesting. What about your spouse? Yeah, talking baby talk to your spouse, that's wrong. That's that's enough to get you killed. Coworkers? <gasps> Who's the baby? <laughs> Who's the baby? <laughs> yeah, not your not your coworkers, but our guest will be talking about and she's been researching this for years. Mm. It actually and it makes sense when you talk baby talk, you use a higher pitch. Right? Okay. And the higher pitch actually gets their attention. So I th- I'm going to ask her if this would work with teenagers. Mm. Because when you when you talk normal and normal speeds, they don't pick up as much and they don't pay attention. But if you talk slower and higher pitches. What about a lower pitch? Can you ask her about that? Hey, baby. Who's the baby? You that, are such a cute baby. I guess creepy. Yeah, then then the cops will be called. Yeah, he's crossed a line. So we'll get we'll get to that. There's some societal norms we need to adhere to. Right. Yeah. Man, what's happening? <laughs> it's um there's so much to talk about. Uh we did a whole Christmas segment last hour that if you if you need to go find Christmas I think it Christmas lasted gifts, about an hour too. Yeah. It felt like 2 hours. But in a good way, I mean. Uh, but go back to that hour. You can find it on um, iTunes, on TuneIn. Go to BYURadio.org or just call my parole officer. <laughs> He's got everything recorded. So that's why you weren't here yesterday. Yesterday we had a hearing. We had a court date. Yeah. But it was just one of these sort of just setting the next court yeah, date blah, type blah, court blah. Dates. It was just yeah. pretty much procedural. Yeah. A bunch of motions. Yeah. The judge struck them all down. Mm-hmm. Matt still has to go to jail. So, well, oh, well, maybe we're That's not calling have... it jail. <laughs> I'm going to teach some classes. Oh, okay, work release to Utah State Prison. Just what I do. But first, let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what is going on around the country that we need to pay attention to? Thanks, Matt. A retired Pentagon official on Thursday said Russian hackers seized complete control of an unclassified email system in a devastating 2015 cyber attack thought to be revenge for U.S. sanctions. Former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Martin Dempsey told CBS News that the cyber attack caused chaos in the Pentagon with hackers taking over an entire email system in less than an hour. Hundreds of senior officers had their passwords stolen and the network had to be taken down, Dempsey said. Since the email system was unclassified, officials now believe Russia was not seeking to get valuable intelligence but to wreak havoc at the Pentagon in retaliation for U.S. sanctions over Russia's occupation of Crimea. Wow. It's amazing how all these hacks come out later. Yeah. And they were done by um, Squishy Bear... And Fuzzy Bear. They're, they have names like that for these <laughs> hacker groups. It really takes down the legitimacy of yeah. the attack when it's Squishy Bear and Fuzzy they, Bear. I think they need better PR people. Could be. Halfway between this election and inauguration, opinion over how Donald Trump is handling his presidential transition is split down the middle with 48% of U.S. adults approving 
and 48% disapproving, according to a new Gallup poll. So basically Republicans and Democrats. There was a partisan split to the poll with only 17% of Democrats and 46% of independents approving mm. of Trump's transition, including cabinet picks, tweets, victory rallies versus 86% of Republicans. Yeah, that's why it's good to be an independent. Yeah. Just floating in the middle. The president-elect of the U.S. took aim at Vanity Fair magazine Thursday morning after the publication gave his restaurant a blistering negative review. Ooh. Has anyone looked at the really poor numbers of Vanity Fair magazine, Trump asked in his first tweet of the day? Way down. Big trouble. Dead. Graydon Carter, no talent, will be out. That's the reviewer. Trump's ire appeared to have been sparked solely by a negative review of Trump Grill, the Vanity Fair ran on Wednesday. The article titled, Trump Grill Could Be the Worst Restaurant in America, Pan the Establishment is Serving Rich Man's Slop. Wow. The review goes on. The plate must have tilted during its journey from the kitchen to the table as the steak slumped to the side over the potatoes like a dead body inside a T-boned minivan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is that affiliated with Diddy Dental, Trump Grills? Oh, yeah. I think it is. Okay. I think they're, yeah. I think they just do... Co-marketing ideas. Okay. And, and Vanity Fair hoping to capitalize on the attention they put up on their website has a bright red ad at the top now that says, The magazine Trump doesn't want you to read. Subscribe now. <laughs> kind of funny. That's and good. finally, the city council member sponsored litiga- uh, legislation signed into law Tuesday that reversed a 61-year-old ban on pinball in Kokomo, Indiana. What? Back in 1955, the Kokomo City Council... Determined pinball was a, was gambling because it relied on chance, not skill, and banned it. I bet Harold Hill from The Music Man convinced them that it, they, yeah, it was totally. trouble. According to the news accounts at the City. time, pinball games, quote, tend against peace and good order, encourage vice and immorality, and constitute a nuisance. And wives were upset their husbands were spending all their money on pinball. Anyone found violating the ban faced jail time and a fine. But in 2016, most people didn't know about the ban, and officials couldn't find any record of people being cited for breaking it. On Tuesday, Mayor Greg Goodnight, that's his name, Greg Goodnight, Goodnight. signed the new pinball legislation into law as he wrote on top of a pinball machine. So pinball is now legal in Kokomo, Indiana. Did you know there was a Kokomo, Indiana? Yeah, wasn't that a song? Wasn't that in some in Beach Boys, Aruba, Jamaica? That's different. But that's yeah, that's Kokomo, Indiana. I think that song is also about pinball. I think it's where yeah. Well, people used to probably use psychedelic drugs, mm. listen to the Beach Boys, and play pinball in Kokomo. Man, that really was trouble. It was yeah in yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you're big into pinball, go to Kokomo. To the news. Mm. And I appreciate your news. Now we will go be going to the MT News, the news uh, from the Matt Townsend Show. And we've hired our news chief, Chief Ron Brokaw, who hmm. the name oozes news. Many Brokaws, well, one other Brokaw has become famous uh, in, in the news world. What was his name? Don. Don is it Don Brokaw? Uh, Don. So we have Ron Brokaw, but then he has a relative, uh, John Brokaw. I think he was with ABC. Anyway. Moving on. Um, Ron is going to 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 uh, do his first interview as the empty news chief. And he's he's going to talk to us about a story out of Manhattan um, where a man tries to rob – 
five banks in three hours. He's on the scene, and uh, he's, he's, he's got a great interview with a bank manager. Police are looking for a man who tried and failed to rob five Manhattan banks in a three-hour span after successfully knocking one off last week. I'm speaking with Michael Atherton, manager of the Chase Bank on 86th Street, the last of the five banks in question. Mr. Atherton was in the branch when it all went down. Mr. Atherton, you seem to be still quite upset about the attempted robbery. Well, of course I'm upset, Ron. What happened to bank robbers? I've been in the business for 30 years, and the decline in robber professionalism is astounding. Did you know that bank robbers used to dress up in a suit and tie before coming into our fine establishments? Many of them even attempted to look presidential by wearing masks of former commanders-in-chief. Not anymore. These days they come in their casuals and slip a poorly written note to the teller and expect us to just fork over the tender. No, 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 sir. Not at Chase on 86th. Now, Mr. Atherton, as you know, this criminal is still at large, and there's a very good chance he's listening to this program. Any advice you'd like to give this man? Yes, Ron. Now, don't get me wrong. We're flattered this man thought of coming into our establishment. However, he needs to remember that lack of preparation on his part does not constitute an emergency on our part. I'm sorry, but coming in at 4.45 is simply not going to work for us. Our employees are getting ready to clock out, and they're getting paid by the number of transactions per hour. You'll need to come in during the slower hours of the morning, preferably between 10 and 10.30 a.m. And if he simply cannot make that happen, then he'll just have to wait his turn in line just like everyone else. This man will also need to work on his spelling and grammar before he slips us another one of his notes... We also only accept notes on the proper form, filled out with either a blue or black pen. Those are the policies, and if he doesn't like them, then he's welcome to rob some other bank. If any of our listeners have any information on the whereabouts of the attempted bank robber, or if you'd like any more tips on ensuring a smooth and compliant bank robbery, please contact us here at the Matt Townsend Show. Back to you, Matt. Thank you, Ron Broca, Empty News Chief Correspondent. Boy, that seems like a lot of requirements to rob a bank now. A lot of hoops. It's Mark, almost like not worth it. As anymore. he said at the end, just go somewhere else. It's just too difficult. But even down to the kind of ink, the color of ink you need to use. Man, ink color, spelling, the time. Like, don't try yeah. to rob a bank. It gives you a, a half hour window to rob the place. Mm. Isn't he just setting you up? Like the cops could just sit out and wait for you. Yeah, it seems like you'd want to rob it. When it's the most inconvenient for everybody. So he doesn't sound upset about the the bank robbery itself, but no. more the, the lack of professionalism. Yeah, I think he's d- just down on the whole bank robbing industry. He almost sounded like he had fond memories of the days when he mm. was robbed by people dressed up. Yeah, mm. like those masks. I mean, they're used to people Nixon. would wear a good Nixon mask. Or now it'll be a Trump mask. But apparently people are too lazy to even wear a mask anymore. Mm. I think it's a sign. This is why Trump may have won. Because middle America's down. They're too tired to even rob the bank like they used to. I'm glad I'm glad what, Ron's on the show. Wasn't this in New York? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What's your point? You don't think <laughs> New York has middle 
America. Well, they didn't really vote for Trump. Yeah. They voted well, how do you know? You, did you ask the bank manager? That bank manager sounded like a Trump voter. Really? Didn't mm. it? Don't you think? Hmm. I, I don't try to label people, but okay. Yeah. You got to try it. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Uh, again, I'm glad Ron's on the scene because with a level of professionalism like that, I think we're going to break open a, a lot of new stories on the empty news segment of the show. Good times. But up next, folks, should you talk baby talk to your baby? It's not like you actually know their language, right? So really, you're just faking it. But it may have more benefit than you think. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, unlocking the baby code. Stick with us. There are a lot of theories out there, uh, depending on who you talk to, about how you should talk to your newborn baby. Uh, some people think baby talk is the correct way to make sure your baby understands you. Others say baby talk is the worst thing you could possibly do for the development of your child. But with so many different opinions out there, it's hard to know exactly what's the best thing to do. Here with us today to talk about this subject is Dr. Katherine Lang, postdoctoral research associate in the Department of Psychology and Neuroscience at Duke University. Dr. Katherine Lang, thank you so much for being with us. Hi, thanks for having me. What do you think? What Give us your expert opinion and advice. Should we be using baby talk as adults with our, with our baby? Well, research shows that, that yes, um, that babies respond really well to baby talk, that it forges social connections between a, a baby and, and uh, the adult, usually the mother or the father. Um, and actually, it helps infants to learn language. So I would say that, that, yeah, it is a really good thing to use. What? I mean, it's, it's funny because as parents, we don't, we don't know the research, but we naturally alter our voice, our pitch, our, our intonation, the speed with which we talk to babies. Is this just, is this just evolution? Is this just natural to us? Yeah, it does seem to be the case. Um, we somehow seem to know that babies respond better to, to this style of talk, and so we do more of it. And as babies get older and they start to respond less and less, we stop doing it. So eventually we, we start to talk to children in a more normal way. Um, and it seems that the, the social connection that speaking to a baby forges calibrates how and when we, we change our, our speech. So we actually adjust the speech as we sense the connection is taking place or yeah. is growing. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't think about it. We just yeah. somehow know how to do it. Yeah. Is, do you sense, is there a difference between moms and dads doing this? Yeah, there's been, there's been some research that's, that's compared moms and dads and both tend to use these features of baby talk. So both will speak in a higher pitch um, and both will speak more slowly. But mothers tend to be more um, exaggerated in their speech style than fathers, um, as, we, as we might expect. Yeah. And that is actually the case. Yeah. Is it, um, I, it's, I, it, it seems interesting to me because getting someone's attention today is not easy, especially as I, I have six children and I think of uh -huh. every one of them are hard in different ways to get their attention. But really, the pitch and the tone change gets their attention. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's as if babies kind of realize that that kind of speech is for them. So they, they're more interested in it. They pay more attention to it. If you imagine, they're hearing language around them all the time. But suddenly, when the pitch increases, the, the, the adult is actually speaking to them. And so that's more exciting for them and more interesting. Hmm. So they pay more attention. Do we then, as parents, I guess, um, we, we are getting feedback cues from the baby if they're, atten- if they're attending, if they're listening. And I guess we'd see eyes open. We'd see them redirect their, atta- their, their head. Uh, th- they might light up more. So some of that is – those are the cues you're saying we're getting that will have us adjust our language. Yeah, yeah. So from from birth, from the day a baby's born, the, the mother and the baby are starting to forge social relationships between one another. And so the mother's actually and the father are, are both very much in tune to the baby's responses. And so when the baby responds, they want to generate more response from the baby. And so, it, like you said, it's like feedback. It's like so, a yeah. yeah feedback loop. And is it um, – so I guess that's how we, we kind of cue in on it. And then – the one of the things I read in your article uh, is the fact that they're not starting to learn this um, when they're born. They're learning this in utero. Yeah, yeah. Explain so, that. Yeah, uh, well, um, there's only so much that we can find out. From, right. They're hard <laughs> to interview in has, utero. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, but we know that by the time a baby's born, they already recognize certain aspects of the language that their mother speaks. So babies' ears develop um, by around the third trimester of pregnancy, and they can start to hear sounds that are reflected through the mother's body, so through the fluids and through the the solid things as well, the bones. Um, And they can't hear speech. If you said a sentence to a baby, it can't make out the words and the sounds of the sentence, but it can make out the rhythm of, of, of what the mother says. And Every language has its own specific rhythm, so different languages sound different. Just if we hear the, the rhythm of American speech versus the rhythm of French speech, mm. they'll both sound different. And so the baby um, is born already knowing the rhythm of its language, so it already has some, some useful tools for starting to, to work out what's language and what isn't. And and I guess, I mean, because all language is, I guess, is rhythm, it's tone, and then it's sounds and and. And then we attach meaning to it. But, mm-hmm. I mean, the rhythm, like I notice when I work with couples and they're arguing, the rhythm and the tone change. They speed up. Uh, they get louder. Um, I, I guess how, do, how, does, how does a child, how does a human start to know what the rhythm and the tone mean? Um, well, that's a good question. I mean, the, the rhythm of a language, depending on the different languages um, that the baby's hearing, can actually help the baby separate out different words. So um, words that are more stressed, for example, tend to be the most important word in the sentence. Mm. So the noun, let's say. The, um, have you seen the ball? And the ball would be more stressed. And the baby can pick that out more easily. So the rhythm helps the baby separate out different parts of speech. And then once they've learned individual words, they can start learning what goes around the individual words, so the grammar and that sort of thing. Oh, wow. So it actually can really help babies to kind of bootstrap into um, wider language use. And as a mom or a dad with this, this newborn, we, we, are, we overemphasize rhythm and intonation, right? We sing song it, and that helps them get into the rhythm? 
Yeah, yeah, the two things tend to be kind of um, held together. So again, I gave the example of can you see the ball? Yeah. The ball would, would be more stressed, but it also might be produced at a higher pitch or with a wider pitch range. And the, the adult might also produce it really much slower with a longer vowel. So everything about that word ball stands out from the speech t- for the baby and makes it much easier to learn. Hmm. Um, and so we see that when b- babies start to speak, their first words tend to be these really prominent words such as ball, uh, bottle, mummy, yeah. daddy. They're not learning verbs and um, complex grammar right. first. They right. start with these bits that stand out. <laughs> it's... Um... So my daughter, we have a grandbaby, and she they always joke around, and they'll say, so Claire, who do you love more, mommy or daddy? And it seems like whichever name is listed last, she repeats, dada. And, um, and so it's, is, is that just a normal cue for a child? Whatever they hear last, they, they mimic first? Um, well, I don't know exactly about... The, the order of the speech, but what we do know is that when babies hear a sound that they can produce, so if baby can say da 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 and they hear da da, then they're more likely to repeat that. So yeah, it's quite likely that just because that was the last phrase, the last word in the phrase, the baby is able to kind of more easily remember it and then produce it for herself. Um, when when should we back off of the baby talk? Like what, what? I mean, I'm thinking by 18, you know, we ought to probably tone it down. <laughs> well, if you want to get a teenager's attention, then it's probably that's a, true. Pitch is probably a good way to do it. That's really true, though, isn't it? <laughs> um, but I would say there's no need to think about it. Um, if baby is responding positively to it, then that's a, a good reason to keep on doing it. But but I don't think there needs to be a conscious decision. Probably yeah. by 18, um, <laughs> that might not forge a good relationship with a teenager. But, right. Um, but as I say, parents generally don't have to think about it. What's interesting is that in um, some uh, cultures around the world, actually caregivers don't use baby talk or even they don't speak to their babies directly. So it's not that there's a, a parental guidebook of how to do this. Right. It just seems that... Children will learn to speak. Most children will learn to speak. And just engaging with the child in whatever way is a, is a great thing, whether or not that uses baby talk. Well, and it, it also um, – it seems to be the key to communication would be being present to that feedback loop. So you're, like, you're saying let's not be prescriptive in what it should be. Let's just see what's working with the child and let that feedback loop tell us what to keep doing or not doing. Yeah, exactly. That's and communication, we, right? Yeah, That's yeah. how you get good at it. two-way thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and the child also has to learn how to communicate back as well, of course. Right. How, uh, how do you do that? Do you, I mean, I guess is there a process of, of responding to their, their tones so that might induce more, more, more talking? I don't know how to say that. Is is there a way that I respond to the child that actually, like in 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 adult communication, you'll nod, you'll you'll um, you'll give an uh huh uh huh. You might even ask a question or say, "What do you think?" You'll turn it back to them. How do you get the child? How do you show some incentive to the child to keep talking? Um, well, again, it seems to be quite automatic. So, just as we get. Um, 
a great feeling from communicating with our babies, the babies also reciprocate that feeling. So they, they love engaging with their caregivers. Um, what has been shown is that, that there is some sort of um, contingent response between mothers' um, response to a baby and the baby's response back. So if the mother says something to the baby and the ba baby responds back, there'll become another feedback loop where the baby um, is it kind of enjoying being part of that interaction, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah. It's quite complex, but there's a lot of, um, a lot of interaction takes place even when the baby can't say any words or even make sounds. So mm -hmm. babies can coo and gurgle and, um, and make all sorts of sounds, which actually can be interactive. So just engaging with babies from, from the word go really is, is the best way to, to show them how, how, how wonderful communication can be. And once they get involved with that, they, um, they, they just take it on for themselves. It's, it, is, it is beautiful and it's so natural as you keep pointing out that we were just wired to do this. This is, this is I guess, human nature, right? This is, mm -hmm. this is just how we're wired. So the idea that we can't communicate very well is probably more of an adult thing. It's, it's, we, we, haven't, it, we are wired to be able to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and babies do it from, from the, the day they're born. Mm. Um, but it's also important for a baby who relies so heavily on their mother to, to, to forge that relationship because they, they need their mother for, for food and for survival. So, so there's an important kind of um, evolutionary or developmental feature to it as well, of course. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's take a break, come back. And when we come back, Catherine, I'd love to talk about um, the downside of not being an engaged parent with this child is what do we lose communicationally? What do we lose just about the interaction and uh, how we might how that might impact the child's ability to communicate, willingness to communicate skills um, if we don't engage them early? Stick with this, folks. We're talking with Dr. Catherine Lang, who is uh, working on uh, why baby talk is a good thing. Pretty basic re research and information when you think about it, but incredibly complex as well. Uh, it's good. It's good to be a human, isn't it? And there's nothing more beautiful than just those quiet moments between a parent and their child. Those little coos, the little baby talk. Stick with us. More when we come back. BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're blowing up some of the myths about baby talk. It's, it's much healthier than you may have heard. You're not impairing your child by talking baby talk. You're actually helping them along the process of understanding rhythm and intonation. You're making it, in a way, more exciting. They pay attention. They'll listen more. You're slowing down so they can understand the words you're placing emphasis on special words so they start to learn the patterns of language. 
And that's all according to our guest, Dr. Catherine Lang, who, again, is in her postdoctoral research. She's a postdoctoral research associate in the Department of Psychology and Neuroscience at Duke University, also authored um, a a wonderful article on theconversation.com. Here's why baby talk is good for your baby. Dr. Lang, thank you again so much for being with us. Thank you. Hi. Is um, As I think about it, and honestly, there's, there is something so powerful when you're talking to a baby. I think really at any – the moment you know that you're actually having a connection because this is about a parent or, or a, whoever the adult is um, actually connecting into the baby. Mm-hmm. This yeah, is absolutely. and you can tell, right? Because there's signs, there's eyes, there's movement, sometimes a smile when they're older. Um I guess it, it the words the length, the words do they matter as much as just almost the intent to connect? Uh, no, not really, to be honest. Yeah. Um just it's it's the the communication in the very early stages. It's the communication, that connection like you say that that's really important. By the time the baby's a little bit older, we know that by six months, babies already are understanding some words. So, of course, words are important to babies. But just engaging an infant in, in connection is, is a really important thing for their overall development, not just language development. And I guess it's the same philosophy as they get older. I mean, it's still about trying to connect, and it's, it's always about taking the feedback from the person you're talking to. And I guess as time goes on, you can then start teaching vocabulary and making it more formal. Well, teaching isn't really um, necessary. Um, Children will learn language in any environment where there is language. So many children are brought up with a different home language, Mm. the language they're hearing at school, for example. But they'll still learn their parents' language spoken at home, and they'll learn language at school, not from any formal teaching, but just from hearing it. Hmm. Children are incredibly um, incredibly good learners. It's, it's quite annoying that by the time we become adults, it becomes so difficult. For yeah. them. But b- before the ages of, ages of around 8 to 12, children can pick up language that they hear in their environment really quite quite easily. Not not automatically, but, but with much, much less effort than adults have to go through. <laughs> that is, it's, uh, boy, what a gift. And yeah. I guess we almost burn it out of them. <laughs> Somehow we we lose it. Is there Are there things that, um, like, what are some other interesting facts about the research that you're finding out about why baby talk so valuable? Um, well, it's, um, it's really interesting to know that it, helps babies start learning how to talk as well as how to understand speech. It also gives them the, the, um, the fundamentals of, of, of actually talking. So if a baby's heard a language um, in their environment um, from a very young age and then they're taken away from that environment, so children who, for example, are adopted um, across different linguistic communities, they still have um, a capacity to learn the sounds of, of the language that they that they originally heard as, as babies. So if a child was adopted from, from China, for example, um, even after a few years of, of hearing English, they would still have perceptual abilities that would allow them to learn the sounds of Chinese more easily and so to, to be able to speak Chinese more easily. Hmm. So there's some research that, that's shown that. Um, 
but but what to me is really fascinating is that actually baby talk is is really quite a western thing it, it tends to be used by by um parents bringing up children in in north america and in europe whereas across the world there are many different ways in which families are structured and in, in different communication styles and yet as i said earlier most children will learn to speak perfectly well is does it have to be if I put on f- French tapes and I didn't know French, but my daughter, my child was hearing um, French in the house, would it would it would they learn it or does it need to have the the commu- the relationship of a human being real time connecting real time to the real world of the baby with That's the language? Really- yeah, that's that's a really good and, and very relevant question, I think. And actually, fascinatingly, um, just hearing language spoken on a TV or on a radio, like you say, actually isn't isn't great. It mm. isn't very helpful for children. Um, it's not to say that they won't learn anything, but compared to the engagement of actually speaking with an or at least interacting with someone who's speaking that language to them. Um, th- their learning will be much, much, much less um, less successful. And, and studies have shown that. So uh, children growing up in America have been um, presented with uh, videos of Chinese speakers, and then other children have been presented with um, opportunities to interact with Chinese speakers. And it's those children who are actually interacting with the Chinese speakers who ended up learning um, more about the Chinese language. Mm. Isn't that to me is such an important life lesson that it's not about the out, it's it's about the interaction. Yeah. It's it's not about the output. It's about the relationship. It's about that connection. That's cool. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Yeah. What are there some signs that um our baby may have a communication problem? What are some things that might be telling us, "Ooh, this isn't this isn't connecting. Um, well, there are, there are a few signs. Now, the, the important thing is that children are very, very different. And yeah. so if, you know, there's one child at nursery who has, you know, 10 words and she's only six months old, well, that's great. But it takes some infants up to two years to learn just a small handful of words. Hmm. So, so there are vast differences between children and actually... Um, those differences don't make any big difference later on in life. Um, it's more about, like, we keep coming back to the idea of connection and um, children, babies who aren't so well connected with their parents, maybe less eye contact or not smiling as much. Mm. Um, it, that might be the sign of a problem. But again, it's not, um, there isn't a tick box to check. Yeah. Um, is baby doing this, this, and this? Well, in that case, there might be a problem. It's it's um, it's it's a more natural process. If they're not responding to sound, okay, that's going to tell you something. Yeah. Maybe they have a hearing impairment or something. If they're not able to, you know, respond with their facial expression, that might tell you something. But it's I guess don't worry. Just let the information you're getting from them inform you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's been some interesting studies done with children whose parents have dyslexia. So when a parent has dyslexia, then their children are at risk of dyslexia. And children who are at risk of dyslexia have some 
perhaps some issues with language perception. So um, they're a bit slower to perceive the sounds of language in, in their very earliest years. But many of those children will go on to have no problems at all. They won't develop dyslexia. So, so even some things that might seem like a problem in the very early stages um, and, and might be a real symptom of something that's actually there within the, the child's um, genetic makeup will eventually just disappear. This is so fascinating to me. Is it um, if I'm more verbal because communication could be, you know, verbal, nonverbal. It could be some of its processing issues. I mean, you might be an incredible writer who's so wonderful with language and communicate through writing. But verbally, you don't you can't get it out as easily is is how I communicate with the child. Does it also influence how they choose to communicate with the world? So if I'm super verbal, does that make a child more verbal? Um, it's hard to say for sure. If you're a super verbal person as yourself, then it's hard to say whether it's your genetic. Yeah, it might be my trait, huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's passed down to the child, the fact that you talk to them more, or the fact that they're hearing more speech in, in their environment anyway. So it's hard to separate those things. Hmm. Um, but I, I would say that, if children are spoken to more, so if you are a more verbal parent, then there's there's no doubt that that child should become um, uh, uh, should learn language um, more, not necessarily more quickly, but should develop language, kind of learn more words um, more easily um, because they're hearing more speech, and so that would lead them to be speaking more anyway. Mm. Yeah, and, and probably give them a different confidence, maybe. Uh... Just a, a, a more sense of surety in it. Talk about reduplication. That's a word you used in your article. And it's, yeah. it's really about that repetition, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So reduplication, repetition are, are both quite similar things. Lots of what we call baby talk words contain reduplication. So mommy, daddy, baby. Um, these are all words that have the same syllable repeated. So ba, ba, ma, ma, da, da. And um, as anyone who's had a baby would know, babies use these ba, 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 ba um, strings of, of, of sound all the time before they're able to speak. So when babies are babbling and they hear a word in their surrounding environment that sounds like something that they're saying, that eventually seems to become a word. So babies find these words easier to, to learn. Perhaps that's because Baby's going ma 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 ma, and mommy's saying, "Oh yes, mommy," and you know, mm. kind of forging that into a word. Um, so, in, in that sense, reduplication is really um, handy for babies' production. But also, we know that actually, even before babies can say anything, before they're they're really making any vocalizations that could be words, they're actually um, better able to learn words that are reduplicated. So, so they they recall words better that are reduplicated in experimental tasks. Hmm. Um, so there seems to be some sort of bias towards these words. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what, uh, what's next in your research, Catherine? What are, what's the next big thing you're looking into? Well, I'm currently looking at um, siblings and seeing how um, having more versus less siblings hmm. um, affects infant's language development. Oh, that's know interesting. That there are some differences. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Because, yeah, um, do they shut up because their older sister always answers all the questions for them? Or do they? Quite possible. I mean, yeah, that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 
if you've got lots of children and there's the, the, like you say you've got six children the sixth baby will still learn to speak eventually probably but the, the, their language path will be very different from that first baby who had no siblings to compete oh, with. Oh, and that first so. one had so much attention and so much focus and our last baby's lucky to be alive. <laughs> yeah, well, lucky to be communicated. Yeah, that's right, that too. <laughs> and you'd think they'd get more because the other kids are communicating, but it's still, it's different, I guess, too, from a, a parent or an adult to their older sibling. Yeah, it's different. It's not necessarily um, worse. So we, we know already that children who have siblings tend to learn grammar more easily. Hmm. So children with no siblings learn lots and lots of individual object words like dog, and bottle, and cat. But they struggle with the grammar. That's, that's kind of uh, difficult to, 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 to conceive in a, in a child's mind. Whereas children who have siblings hear more grammatical phrases and they're, they're better at grammar. So there's, there's some pros and cons to both, I would say. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay, we're going to have you on the show. As soon as you pr- publish all of that, we're, we're bringing you back because I need to know about these multiple kid things. Catherine Lang's her name, folks. Dr. Catherine Lang. Uh, great insight. Go check out the article. Uh, he, uh, here's why baby talk is good for your baby on conversation.com. Also, you can find out more about uh, her work as postdoctoral researcher in uh, the Department of Psychology and Neuroscience at Duke University. We'll take a break, folks. When we come back, wrap up this uh, second hour of the show. This is learning. We're learning, keeping you uh, informed and helping you become the best you can become. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, happy chocolate covers anything day today. You put chocolate on anything, today's the day you're going to do it. It's a simple gift. Normally, this is where we would play like something from Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. But we don't have the rights to that. So, but we do have the rights to. The Mormon Tabernacle Choir. I even tried to find, like, the Motab singing Food Glorious Food. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Couldn't find it. Well, it's going to be hard if we have to press everything through the Motab. (laughs) Press. Not everything will fit. But even if it doesn't fit, it's beautiful. This is close enough. Yeah. Hey, a Florida man steals a car and then pretends to be a customer at a fast food restaurant. Seems kind of crazy. Florida man was arrested on Sunday after deputies said he stole a car but didn't realize the owner's phone was inside. So the device's GPS led authorities to the vehicle. Tariq Simmons, 19, drove off in the vehicle at Gainesville gas station at 10 p.m. Uh, and while the owner was still inside the station getting a drink, the owner told police his phone was in the car. They then tracked it down. Pinged it, bada boom, bada bing. They found it at a nearby hotel. Simmons then fled the vehicle, causing it to crash into a patrol car. From there, Simmons then ran and pretended to be a customer to drive through window of a local fast food restaurant. Sounds like it didn't work. It sounds like he was hungry. You know, you missed this story while while you were gone. Yeah, which time? But um, yeah. when I was younger, I TP'd 
somebody's house you, you in toilet the, paper yes in the neighborhood yeah. with my older brothers well somebody on that cul-de-sac showed up as we were doing it and so everybody just scattered scattered and including me and i started heading toward home and i thought maybe if i slow down and start walking just walk this normal. guy in his car will think that i'm just some eight-year-old that happens to be out at midnight yeah yeah, yeah. you well, know like maybe you're yeah. just out on a Walk. Well, it didn't work, so he pulled over. He didn't even get out of his car. Can you believe that? Didn't even get out of his lazy, car. He pulled over, lazy. rolled down his window, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? What's your name? And what's the name of all those people with you? And I gave him everything. <laughs> you are the worst accomplice. <laughs> I turned I turned on them so fast. Did they ever let you toilet paper another house? They never forgave me. Yeah. I don't blame them. That's, that's mm. where they all got their first police record because that darn Simpson kid you always run just keep running that's what this guy did or pretend like you're shopping for a hamburger he just can't you see him pulling into the drive-thru act normal act normal yeah like a burger a Big Mac beads of sweat coming down he just hit a cop by the way (laughs) his car's thrashed his lights hanging out we need, you know what? It's again. This is what we're seeing. He was 19. He's one of these millennial criminals. They just don't have. They don't have the knack that we used to have in our day. Well, not you. He could have used that list of excuses that you shared earlier. Totally. Well, I was. I'm sorry, officer. I was really drunk. My llama was sick. I, I left my license at home, and yeah, I'm driving with a. With a fake one. Can I get you a hamburger? Let me get you a hamburger, officer. See, now that may have gotten them off. Oh, no, if it's a donut shop. Cronuts. That, that was cruel. That was totally cruel. We'll take a break, folks. Next hour, we're talking movies. It's Friday. Where we're going to do a little review of Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. It's Friday. You made it another week. Congratulations. What a great, what a great success story you are. Me? Everybody that's out there in listener land. You, the listener. For a moment, I felt special. Well, you are special. Then why don't you talk to me in baby talk anymore? (gasps) Who's the special baby? Last hour, you're going to want to go check it out on iTunes, on TuneIn. Go to BYURadio.org, Stitcher. We're everywhere. And you're going to learn about baby talk. That's why... Who's the best audience? Who is it? There you go. Uh, do you remember when, um, after Jeff was electrocuted, and we're like, oh, who's the guy that plugged in the cord and blew up his house? Who is it? <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> do you remember when he was in the hospital? Right. That was fun. He recovered quickly. Have you ever seen... I still came into work, by the way. Well, yeah. Your hand in a charred ball. 
just electrical burns. It's not like you were actually injured. Do you remember what Don said? No. Shake it off. Mm. Do you remember that? Right. Rub some dirt on it. Keep moving. You can work the buttons. Use a pencil. <laughs> Put a pencil in your hand and just hit the board. Boy, that was tough. I'm so glad you survived that. Today we've got a great show. We're going to be talking movies with Rod Gustafson. Hmm. Apparently, Rogue One. Apparently, yes. A it, Star Wars story. A, a Star Wars story. It's actually Star Wars 3.5. Yeah. Is it? Is that what That's, that's where it that's falls. Where it well, because Sean said it was closer to Episode 4 than Episode 3. So, like 3.6. You know what? That is actually a really good – that's how they ought to do this. Yeah. Because then you now – oh, that's it, where it fits. Yeah, it's simplified that way. It's actually five years after uh, the cartoon Star Wars Clone Wars ends – Oh, bro. Where the story picks up. We don't have to go back and watch that. Do we? <sighs> I already have, so I'm oh. ready to go. Nerd alert. I'm not sure where it falls in with the whole Rebels cartoon that's going no. on now on the Disney Channel, no, but no. it's all canon. It's all continuity, so hmm. it's good stuff. Hmm. Don't they have a Star Wars droids show? Star Wars Wookiees? No. They do not. You all right? <laughs> Star Wars deleted scenes. You okay? Honestly, Matt, is this the is this the the final hour of the show? Yes, it's the final hour. It seemed like we went into some time warp right there. But uh, since you're not coming in on Monday, we have to do. I'm not. Two, we have to do another show after this one. Am I not coming in Monday? Well, there's a weekend. Oh yeah. So. And your hard living just kind of ruins Monday. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I usually won't make it in on Monday. I'll be here Monday. It's all your partying on the weekend. Mm. Rave after rave after rave. Oh, all the glow sticks. It's crazy. <laughs> I just barely learned in my like 30th rave, you don't drink the glow stick water. Right. I did not know that. Uh, That's why I've been sick. Only if weekend. it doesn't have a worm in it. If it, if it doesn't have a worm <laughs> in it, you can drink it. <laughs> That's sick. So sick. So we'll, we'll get to movies. We will also do what we call a news flush. Mm, I have much to flush. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. Yes. By the way, just so you know, that sounder, mm. we we did not take that from any yes. show, yes, any right. movie. We right. That came straight we grabbed from BYU mic. bathrooms. BYU the bathroom, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, just in case anyone is looking up contract law yeah. at the moment. <clears throat> happy chocolate-covered anything day, by the way. Today is the day you can cover anything in chocolate, and you're good. What about fruitcake? You could. Would it help the fruitcake? No. Mm. Can anything help fruitcake? No. Okay. Well, Mm? Grandma. Making it better? If she would just quit making it. Just make a cake and get the fruit? Yeah, no. Mm. Wouldn't you rather just get a fruit basket than fruitcake? Yeah. Or a cake. Or, or if someone would just mix in gummy bears instead of fruit, because it's the same thing. It's a, well, it's, I just want the cake. Yeah, yeah. Or the fruit. Yeah, or the gummy bears. Mm-hmm. But don't mix them all together. No. Celebrate it today by covering it in chocolate. We've tested a few things. Um, a stapler. Stapler in chocolate. Yeah. Not good. <laughs> Even if it's really good chocolate. It's just hard. Your papers are messed up. Mm. Uh, when... Um, when Jeff spilled all of that chocolate sauce all over the board. Yes. Radio board with chocolate. Right. Again, not good. And he's going to get a memo. He I is. tried to lick it, but there was a little bit of a shock. Hmm. 
Yeah. What was that theme you used to say? If you can't lick it, don't cover it in chocolate. Yeah. Okay. There you go. It's <sighs> right. These are odd sayings you remember. Let me time. just tell you something. It's all of these meds. <laughs> Apparently. I. I. You're can't, in a really good mood. I really am. I. Um, you may not be familiar with the smell of dextromethorphan. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely but, not. Can't even say the word. Um, if you smell my my, I, it just I I'm oozing dextromethorphan from my pores. Great. How is that working for you? Not good. Is it cherry flavored? No. Mm. Bubble gum? No. It's it just tastes like that. Ugh, that dextromethorphan. Now, now chocolate covered dextromethorphan <laughs> is delicious. That was awesome. Good job. Mm. Have you tried that? That sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, usually, just so you know, NyQuil. Yes. It's become my best friend. NyQuil tablets. Right. I mean, I don't drink it. You could. <laughs> just toss a couple back. I tried to drain back, drain the capsules into a little cup. Mm. Could you swig a couple of uh, sleeping pills with the NyQuil? No, don't do that. Oh, okay. No, that'll kill you. That's against doctor recommendation, it says on the bottle. Yeah, I'm a doctor. Don't yeah, do don't that. Don't do it. You know people are doing that, though. Yeah. Oh, I know people that got arrested for stealing NyQuil on a choir trip we were on. Wow. It was bad. Bad Pers- boys, bad boys. Personal experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't me, however, because mm, I didn't. I really, it really wasn't. I promise. You're above such things. <laughs> I you- just. Um, yeah, you weren't in the choir when you did that. <clears throat> I was uh, I was in the Madrigals, not to brag. Wow. That was a pretty big deal. <laughs> Let's get to the headlines now with Terry South. Find out what's going on around the rest of the country. Terry, what's up? Thanks, Matt. Yahoo announced Wednesday that more than a billion user accounts could have been compromised in a 2013 hack, which was bigger than the hack they previously announced. The, the, the hack on Wednesday, the biggest hack in U.S. But it known happened history. three years ago? Yeah, in 2013. Whoa. Among that number are more than 150,000 U.S. government or military employees, Bloomberg reports. These employees had given their official government accounts to Yahoo in case they were ever locked out of their email. Yahoo! Criminals or foreign intelligence services could now have the names, passwords, phone numbers, birth dates, and security questions of government employees potentially compromising national security. People in the Department of Defense, the CIA, all across but the government. you know what? It happened three years ago. Right. We've so changed if the you're systems. not dead, <laughs> you're good. it's not a big deal. The USDA w- wants Americans to know it's probably fine to eat their, that yogurt hiding in the back of the fridge. The website Consumerist reports the agency released new guidelines Wednesday asking meat and dairy producers to do away with the various sell-by and use-by dates they put on their packaging in favor of a universal best-if-used-by date. Brother. The USDA says that uh, the wording isn't quite so confusing to consumers who may not understand that most foods are still safe to be eaten well after the date on the package. Whenever I see that, I think that I always think that it means like it's a best-buy. Yeah, best so buy. Like, it's, I should get it. Nailed it. The USD estimates about 30% of all food that's thrown away by stores or consumers before eating is still good to eat. Well, yeah, there's that Just one guy that's... Wait, food, right? 34 days? 30% of all food oh. thrown away. <laughs> what? What? Where if, did I get 34 I feel like days? if you hit the right year, yeah. it's a, you're it's, fine. It's more of a vintage than yeah. a warning, I think. Yeah. Don't ever go more than a year Res- after. 
this this story came out yesterday, but I wanted to share the uh, the details that the city put out. Residents of uh, Texas City have been warned by officials not to drink or bathe in the tap water because of a chemical contamination. Wednesday's advisory applies to more than 300,000 people living in Corpus Christi on the Gulf of Mexico coast. Boiling, freezing, filtering, adding chlorine or other disinfectants, or letting the water stand will not make it the water safe, officials say. There's nothing you can do. Wow. The contaminants have not yet been named but are petroleum-based. Only bottled water should be used for all drinking and other usage. Um, they said officials believe the contamination was caused by a faulty valve in the city's industrial district, which caused a, quote, backflow incident. Ooh. Linking contaminants into the drinking water supply, which you cannot do anything about, so don't do anything with your water. <sighs> there, you know what? How many times have I said there's nothing worse than a backflow problem? Now they're trucking water in from San Antonio, 150 miles away. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's and you also can't dress up like Santa in Texas either. Mm-hmm. And finally, because of Rogue One, a British company, Ovo Energy, wanted to figure out how much it would cost per day to operate the Death Star. So it got a math professor from Dartmouth and an editor of Physics Central to look into it. Uh, the information on the Empire's super weapon, including the number of employees, number levels, sublevels, the physics of hyperspace jumps, all pulled from two very important sources, StarDestroyer.net and Wikipedia. <laughs> so the estimate is that the factor in feeding and housing more than 2 million employees, as it says, probably losing a couple hundred staffers due to those deadly trash compactors. Two million employees fit on the Death Star? Yeah. This whole huge, massive thing jumps into hyperspace. Nearly nearly two billion light bulbs to light 342 levels and sublevels. Wow. Recharging and using a planet-destroying laser, Mm. which requires energy output of three million times more powerful than the sun. Wow. Right? That's a lot of energy. Trash disposal, laundry, and more. Oval figures it would cost 7.7 octillion per day to operate the Death Star. Octillion. That's 30 trillion times all the money on Earth. Well, so that's not happening. Yeah. Okay. The, the website CinemaBlend points out that even if the rebels hadn't blown up the Death Star, economic stress may have done the job for them before long anyway. The, the Empire wouldn't have been able to support that thing. Yeah, Too much money. Do you know if there's a Cinnabon on the Death Star? Could have been. There's there's at least a Starbucks. We're yeah. trying to diversify every day. So that's Hey, good. by the way, this is the uh, Stars Battles theme by Don Williams. Do we have the rights to that? Yeah. This is Don Williams, not oh, John Don. Williams. I think it's John Williams. Don. No. His, and oh, it's Don. The, this, is the, this isn't Star Wars. This is Star's Battles. His distant Appalachian cousin, Don. Don, D-A-W-N. Yeah. Don Williams. That makes sense. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. I love it. Hey, speaking of bad water, um, do you think we should call a fish ugly? Can I hear you? No. Right, Depends. It. Is it in the water? Or have you got it People on your in hook? Seattle would probably find that very offensive. Really? An ugly fish? Mm-hmm. At the fish market? There would be all sorts of fish activists that did, would be all over this. By the way, you lived in uh you lived up in Seattle. Did you did you watch the game last night? No. Shame on you. I was at the company party. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I was I was sick. I was sucking up and you were sucking down Nyquil. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it was pretty nice. Uh, they had a great game, and um, boy, their quarterback Goff from the Rams knocked into next week. He's got to learn that when you're running yeah. against the backs of Seattle, 
or anybody. Run again, run out of bounds. Yeah, get down, get he out of bounds. He got hit so hard that they actually, I don't know who do, who called him off the field, but they stopped the game. He went back to the center to He's just wandering around. Well, he wasn't really. It didn't even. I mean, you've seen the guys that wander around. Yeah, yeah. He just went back, but you could tell he had his bell rung, and and then they stopped it up in the the team. Doctors stopped it and made him come off the field and get checked. Yeah, and then I don't think he went back in the game. Well. That sounds horrible. Then the kicker. That, did you see it? No, I saw parts of the oh, game. Oh, the kicker kicked uh, was eating pizza. fake punted Okay, and ran um, like 40 yards. This is the most football you've watched all year. Go no, ahead. I love football. And yeah. then he lost the ball and it started bouncing all over, mm. you know, only like a kicker could do. Right. And with his skinny little legs. Uh-huh. And then he got hit so hard he was knocked out. Right. He literally a, went nine-nine. A slobber knocker, yes. <laughs> slobber was everywhere. It's gross. <laughs> it was. It was an incredible. What did game. it sound like in slow mo? Wow, like that. Wow, that's great. Oh, I wish we had a sound for that. The theatrical performance of someone getting clocked. Good job, Matt. <laughs> it's also the sound of Caddyshack. Yes. Putting. Uh-huh. So at some point, a fish came onto the field, right? Oh, yeah. Is that what we were doing? <laughs> yeah, these meds are kicking in. $1,000 reward for catching an ugly fish from the Wyoming Reservoir. Listen to this. This is crazy. Have you ever heard of the burbat? No. Is that when your behind is really cold? No. Oh. The burbat, it's a fish. B U R. B-U-T, burbut. Burbut. I think emphasis is on the first part. Burbut. They found them in the Upper Green River drainage, but it's not it's, – it's, it's a fish that they don't want in the reservoir system up there. So they compete with the native game species, including trout. Uh, the burbut are an eel-like, eel, eel-like fish that are just uh, ugly. They put the ug in ugly. And they're now paying people a $1,000 grand pot prize for whoever catches and tags the most burbot out of the Fontanelle uh, Reservoir. But they're calling it an ugly fish. That sounds mean. I mean, really mean. Game and Fish, uh, has they've caught 25 burbot and tagged them with raffle tags and if you go in and get any of those, so many of those tags, you get twenty. You get a thousand dollars. Wouldn't that be twenty five bur butts? I think it's burbo. Oh, well, I just it seems like you forgot the plural form of that. Yeah, multiple bur butts are burbo. Burbu. Burmi. <laughs> anyway. Um, We've got we got to go. We got to get to Rod and find out how he handled Rogue One, a Star Wars story. It's out of control. Plus, we'll be talking about Collateral Beauty, two movies released uh, recently, today. Interesting stuff. Last night. Last night. I was in line for Collateral Beauty, and it was sold out. People were dressed up. These two shows, though, they're saying are Beauty and the Beast. But you may not know which is the beauty, which is the beast. Stick with us. Rod Gustafson will. We'll be right back.
BYU Radio. Talk about good. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. This is uh, music not from Star Wars or Rogue One. This is the soundtrack by Don Williams, D-A-W-N Williams. Um, What's it called again? Stars Battles. Stars Battles. This is the music, the empty music that we promise here on the Matt Townsend Show. Joining us now, uh, Rod Gustafson is with us from ParentPreviews.com. And that's an organization specializing in reviewing movies and media from a parent's perspective. Today, he's here to review two movies with us, uh, Rogue One, a, a Star Wars story, and Collateral Beauty, if we happen to get to it. Uh, Rod, how are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing good, Matt. Thanks. Great. What do you think of Rogue One? Did it live up to all the hype? You know, this I I feel this is the best Star Wars movies movie we've had, finally. We have these wonderful characters that have had so much potential, but nobody ever seems to be able to write the story to really maximize that potential. And and this time we finally do. Now, when I say we have all these wonderful characters, actually, I need to backspace and delete for a moment. None of those original Star Wars characters really are in this movie. And when I say none of them, okay, maybe just a little bit of hmm. them, but for the most part... This is a movie that st- starts with a blank slate and uh, and introduces us to a, a whole new group of characters. But it's that same great kind of swashbuckling, the force will protect us and all of that type of stuff coming into play here. But with a really a surprisingly complex story and they don't waste time with a family reunion or getting to know people. It just it dives into the story, and it's a it's a really great adventure. Huh? It's a this is this is great news for me. Yeah, it is. It was great news for me too. As I was watching it, I thought, oh, I hope they don't blow this. We're an hour in, and it's looking really good. Is it <laughs> now? Is is it one like where you still don't get? I don't know. It, it seems like I was left. Wanting so much more on the last one that mm-hmm. is, do you feel like, do you feel like this is going to be able to succeed going forward? Well, I'm going to walk through the spoiler minefield as carefully as okay, I can yeah. on this because walk I don't through. want to give too much away. But so put it this way: this film is, if you know how they number the episodes, I would number this one episode three point nine uh, because yeah. it parks. Right in front of episode four, which, of course, is the original Star hmm. Wars movie that came out when I was still uh, when I was still wondering why I was going to do after high school. And uh, if that film, if this movie answers a lot of the questions that so many people have had with that first Star Wars film. And that's where that's where it sits. And uh, really what the movie is about, if you remember in that first Star Wars movie, how they took on the Death Star and there was this secret little tunnel where if you drop the right little torpedo down there, the yeah. whole Death, Death Star went kaboom. Well, how did they get the map? How did they find out about that? Well, that ah. is the adventure that happens within this movie. That's cool. Yeah, it really is. And uh, and so, yeah, we are introduced to a whole new group of characters. These are the people 
that are spoken of, I think now, I'm no, I don't even pretend to be a Star Wars ex- expert, but these are the people that are spoken of, I think, in episode six about the sacrifices they made in order mm. to be able to get this and whatnot. And hey, this, Rod, this film really not to interrupt, sacrifice. Not to interrupt, but um, this was just brought up to me by a true Star Wars fanatic. It was a All thermal right. exhaust port where they dropped mm, the... Right. The event, sorry, event, a thermal exhaust vent where they dropped the explosives to take down the Death Star. Yeah, I got a couple of those in my car, too. Oh, yeah. I always worry that somebody's going to drop something in there and kaboom. Always watch your thermal exhaust vent. Yeah, watch out for the tailpipe. (laughs) So so talk to me then. I mean, what I like is that this does – there's a lot of powerful – opportunity in a lot of those untold stories. So in the end, it's how did you see it as a family movie? Is it good for kids? Is it is it safe? Well, you know, I, I, I was doing some reading around on the Internet this morning and uh, I noticed there's a, a couple of websites that are saying, oh, watch out, moms and dads. This Star Wars is, is more violent than others. And you know, I, it, it is violent. There's a, I mean, there is confrontation throughout um, in, you know, people battling one another and that type of thing. Countless people killed. Well, no, let me put it this way. Countless stormtroopers killed. Oh, yeah. They're and, not real um, people, are they? Yeah. Well, yeah, they're not really real mm. people. They wear um, yeah, and, PVC. And it, pardon me? They, they just wear white. PVC pipes. Yeah, it's PVC. Fine. Yeah, <laughs> they're PVC people, and they. Um, so I mean, there is a lot of shooting and and death and all that destruction, all of that coming into here. But it is for the most part highly sanitized. Now there is at one moment when a nurturing character, and I'm trying to be really careful here, right. that you are going to bond to a little, is going to get killed. And there's a little bit of blood at that moment. And that's about the only time. And then there are a couple of other times where characters are going to die. Obviously not stormtroopers because we don't care about those Mm -hmm. guys. But where some of our other characters are going to meet with death. And it was really quite emotional. And to me, that said a lot about this movie. Because as much as I have enjoyed Star Wars in the past... I mean, even if we go back to the very treasured episode four, you know, Harrison Ford was okay. Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill really weren't, but we <laughs> loved them because there was such good, you know, as it, 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 there was this great chemistry between them. But as far as acting goes, you know, mediocre at best. This film is full of some very, very strong performances, which creates characters that you really care about, even though you've only just met them an hour and a half earlier. And so for younger kids watching this, and when I say younger kids, I would say, you know, the 12 and under, well, maybe even 10 and under crowd. Uh, yeah, that's going to be that could be quite emotional and lots of scenes of characters in peril and all that stuff mm. but the good news matt no sex no profanity i didn't hear one expletive nothing in this movie no sexual content in the film so you're really just dealing with the sanitized violence that's good that's good plus you know a lot of those stormtroopers they're they were very well behaved <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> um yes, talk were. about Until- until episode seven. <laughs> exactly. Talk about the um, your grade. Were you able to grade it yet? Yeah, we're, we're, we're still working on this. You know, Disney really didn't screen this in m- many places because they don't really care what the critics think. This thing is critic proof. Um, but I, we're looking at probably an A minus overall on this. I was really impressed with the story. There are some positive messages in this movie about 
about loyalty and uh, and about making sacrifices. The other thing I liked about the film was that we don't have like Star Wars has been such a binary universe. Are you a good guy or are you a bad guy? And this one finally starts to delve a little bit more into the graves. We saw that a bit with the, with our rogue stormtrooper in episode seven as well. But in this one, they do that a little bit more. Maybe not all the rebels are good guys and, and maybe not, you know, all mm. the Imperial guys are bad guys. And so we get into that a little bit more too, which I thought rounds out the characters and creates some great discussion for parents afterwards. So as far as grades go, overall, we're highly recommending it, but parents, a strong caution on the violence. I saw some six-year-olds in our screening and that's too young in my opinion. And, uh, but you know, violence is going to be a C minus sex and profanity or a grades, which is, is great for families that are looking for a fantastic movie for the 10 and over crowd, uh, I think that they'll really enjoy it. Man, that's great. Awesome review. Uh, real quickly, give us maybe the one-minute take on Collateral Beauty. Is it a beauty or a beast? <laughs> we actually quite enjoyed this movie. Uh, I can't say, though, that this is not a movie that you're going to take kids to. Uh, they, they'll fall asleep. Uh, even teens, I don't know how well they're going to engage into it. Will Smith has been making some strange stuff lately, and this one's on that list. Uh, but this one's got a, a good moral story to it, and it's basically about a guy who, played by Smith, his daughter has died a couple of years earlier, and he's just really come off the rails trying to deal with that. And uh, so his co-workers, his partner at this at this agency that they run, and a couple of other executives, they're concerned about him, and they're also concerned if he doesn't get his act together, the whole company is going to fail. All these people are going to be out of jobs at Christmas time and everything else. So they hire three actors to play love, time, and death. And so think of it a little bit like uh, a Christmas or, uh, oh, uh, Charles Dickens, a Christmas whatever. Why is that title gone? You know, the ghost of Christmas yeah, past and yeah. all that business. It's that kind of an idea. And uh, and so that's basically what happens. So this is a this is a strong story about it is a story about faith and it's a story about learning to keep your priorities straight and and the whole and it's got a lot of hope to it as well. Um, even though it sounds like a bit of a downer of a Christmas movie, it's a pretty serious movie. So B plus on this one, uh, we've got a single sexual expletive, which they just seem to need to put in there. And uh, otherwise, not much in the way of profanity, pretty light on sexual content and violence as well. And, uh, you know, this is another one of those movies if we didn't have that sexual expletive i think it could have pretty much been a pg movie but hmm. pg-13 man okay and you gave it a b plus overall b plus yeah good stuff well rod we appreciate you you make our lives so much easier with our families and our media viewing thanks for all you do thank you matt uh rod gustafson's his name go check out the website parentpreviews.com wonderful resource to uh to know how to talk about uh, the the movies that your kids are seeing and more importantly, maybe to uh, determine if we even see them at all. We'll take a break, come back, do a little uh, flush of the news. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. It's Friday, 
And Friday means we got to flush some news. We've got too much news, and uh, we don't want to hang on to it, so we're going to pass it. We're just going to pass it through. And uh, just like that. So let's get to the passage. What have you got for us, Let's Terry? hope it all comes out okay. What is the healthiest state in the United States? The healthiest state in the United States. For the fifth straight year. Texas. Uh, okay, I would say it's going to be Colorado. No. Washington State? Uh, no. Hmm. Utah. Delaware. Not Utah. So they're going to have low obesity. They're going to have high outdoor activity. Mm-hmm. They're going to... Um, it's based on uh, less... low rates of uninsured people, obesity, uh, okay. the level of obesity. So they're highly insured. Boston. Oregon. No. They're all like... And West Coast? Yeah. Well... Uh, okay. So Utah. No. Arizona. No. California. It's Hawaii. Oh. Really? West Coast. It's like way west. That was a trick. Oh, I didn't know. But I thought that... Hawaii is a state, right? They haven't, we haven't yeah. just shipped them back to... I think okay. I think Obama owns it. For the, fifth, <laughs> for the fifth straight year, the Aloha State snagged the top spot for its low rate of uninsured people and low rate of obesity, though it scores above average for excessive drinking, reports the USA Today. In the last, last place was Mississippi, which fell... Uh, the only place that it had to go from 49 last year to 50. Oh, no, it did the drop. It dropped. Um, That's too bad. It says, the faulted for problems including widespread childhood poverty, low birth rate, and smoking. Hmm. The annual ranking relies on CDC data. So here's the top five. Hawaii, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Minnesota, and Vermont. Yeah, Minnesota was the other one. Yeah, Vermont. The next five is New Hampshire, Washington, Utah, New Jersey, and Colorado. So you got a few of the top ten. Yeah. The bottom five, Oklahoma, Alabama, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. But see, you know what, though? Let me just tell you, and I, I couldn't say for Oklahoma because I don't know a lot of their – I think they eat a lot of barbecue. Yeah, um, just earthquakes. But the south, Mississippi, Louisiana, uh-huh. they got some Arkansas. seriously good food. Yeah. So it might be worth dying for. <laughs> Could be. Like their Cajun? Co- cooking oh. with butter, yes. mmm. Mmm, gumbo. Oh! Biscuits and gravy? Are you kidding me? Mm. Anyway, that's a good story. Don't flush that. No, it might. Actually, flush it. Yeah, flush it. Apparently, according to a recent study, almost half of the world will be online by the end end of 2016. Nice. Which doesn't seem like a lot. Seems like it should be more. Yeah, half. Uh, in the world's developed countries, 80% of the developed populations use the Internet. But in undeveloped countries, 40%. And some countries are as low as only 15% are using are online. Hmm. So imagine, this is going to become a bigger discrepancy than even income, right? I mean, income is the reason they're probably not on. But all of a sudden, if you don't have the Internet, what will happen to the lower percentiles of countries that aren't able to get the information and all of that. Plus, missing Netflix. Right. Missing things like Snapchat. James Corden has a new driving in cars thing. I, you can no, watch. yeah, his karaoke. karaoke. You can't miss those. That was fantastic with um, our favorite Super Bowl halftime guy. Who's the musician? 
just forgot his name. Bruno Mars? Bruno yeah, yeah. Mars. Bruno. Fantastic. Yeah. That was pretty good. All that guy can sing. He's got a holiday medley all put together, oh, put out boy. today. So, I mean, people in, in parts of this world are not seeing that. Yeah. And I don't know how they're getting by day to day. So, uh, roughly, by the way, about 3.9 million people hmm. expected to be are online by the end of the year. How are you going to look up what time Star Wars starts? Without the internet. You can't get your movie times without the internet. Well, maybe what you'll do instead is just grab a bucket <laughs> and go down to the well and get some water. Could be. Star Sounds like Wars. too much work. There's some more <laughs> difficult things in life well, going we, on. So we can't, we can't order it and have it brought to our place? No. Uh, flush it. This is a revisiting of a former flushed story. Oh, boy. I, I thought so. It came back. It came back. A neighborhood in Philadelphia. Someone stole all the ones and zeros off the uh, the addresses on the houses where they have the, the house number. Uh-huh. Just on the house. She People, just... They came by and stole all the ones and zeros. They thought it was some sort of binary prank. Wow. But someone returned them all. There was a bag containing 56 ones and 27 zeros returned by the thieves or a good Samaritan or whoever. But everyone got their ones and zeros back. Wow, good. So good news. Flush it. Um, this is a crazy story out of Women's Health, which if you want some crazy stories, that's the place to go. Women's Health, yes. This woman gave birth to twins mm. who were conceived 10 days apart. Oh, I read this. What? Yeah. Yeah. And I won't get into all of the detail. Yeah. But uh, an Australian mom, Katie Hill, just gave birth to non-identical twins who were conceived 10 days apart. Um, Katie was initially told she wouldn't be able to conceive due to polycystic ovarian syndrome. Hmm. But after taking hormones to help increase the odds of getting pregnant, she conceived. Then after she was prego, she started ovulating, totally abnormal, and conceived again with some of the sperm that was still in her body from the initial sex act earlier. Wow. Isn't that amazing? This kind of reminds me of the other day I had a, a banana bread in the oven, a couple of them. One of them uh, was ready to come out when the timer went off. The other one I just ha- kept having to put back in for like 15 more minutes. Okay. That was, I mean, I'm no. sorry if that was insensitive. Well, these these are in no way parallel stories. Your story about <laughs> banana bread back in the oven, not the same. Really? No. Hmm. Hmm. This, by the way, for this... But it makes you want banana bread. Is this like going to the vending machine, you want that bag of Doritos, and it kicks out two? No. No, <laughs> well, five minutes later it kicks out. Oh, okay. The second one. Sorry, just um, trying to wrap my mind around what happened here. Yeah, this is this might be science. It might be over our heads, maybe. Okay. Maybe we're missing the whole point of this. But the neat thing is for Katie Hill, who was expecting, who was thinking she wasn't going to be able to get pregnant, she got two kids out of the deal. So How it's like awesome could, is that? So it's like you got a Cool Ranch and the regular nacho cheese. Yeah, she like banged her fist up against the vending machine. Yeah, we're gonna guys, have a, this, this we're had, gonna have an email about this. This one. had nothing to do with a vending machine. This is this is a, two gifts from heaven. Yeah, Cool Ranch and nacho cheese. Ooh. <coughs> okay. Sorry, I just I'm trying um, to. Don't flush it. Don't flush that one either. Just let's just let that one. Just lie. moving along. Um, okay, so this I'll just read this. It says it's gymnastics meets figure skating meets jazzer size meets the can can. Oh Richard Simmons. No, it's sweating ca- to the oldies. It's oh. called aerobic rock and roll, and it's become one of the most well-funded sports in Russia. Really? 
According to Reuters, Moscow has approved the construction of a complex devoted entirely to the niche sport at the cost of 1.9 billion rubles or more than $30 million. It will be the first center of its kind in the world, the sport's governing body, the World Rock and Roll Confederation, told the news service. But why is Russia spending tens of millions of dollars on a sport that just 9,000 Russians compete in? Good question. According to an official statement from Moscow where the facility will be, will be constructed, it's part of the city's devotion to athletics. Moscow attaches great importance to building sports facilities. Over the past five years in Moscow, the number of new sports facilities being brought on, st- on stream has effectively doubled. So they're going to enforce people to use it. It looks like it. Others, however, have noted that Russian President Vladimir Putin's youngest daughter, Katerina, just happens to have been trained in aerobic rock and roll, competed in the sport, is the vice president at the governing body, and helps run the sport's national federation. That was lucky. It's amazing what happens when your dad's the president. And one of the richest men in the world. Apparently. See, why can't Trump have anything on the side then? Oh, give him a time. Give him uh, a minute. The Kremlin has declined comment on this possible conflict of okay. interest. Well, flush it. There you have it, my friends. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Uh, when we come back, the good brethren from BYU Sports Nation will be with us. Stick with us. Wrapping it up. Welcome back, friends. The theme music to no Star Wars movie that's playing. This is the theme music by Don Don Williams. D-W-A-N Williams. As we shoot it down to our good buddies uh, at at, uh, BYU Sports Nation, today it's Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. Hello, gentlemen. Good morning. Do you like you our music? Spell, did you just spell Don D W A N? Yeah, Don. Dwan? Well, he, he, the the W silent. <laughs> it uh, the, the W A makes it sound like an O, so it's yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like Lithuanian. How, uh, how Dwayne Wade, the NBA star, spells his name? It's D W Y A N E. Yeah. Dwayne. Yeah. Hold on. Are you Dwayne? Uh, it's Dwayne. Yeah, that's Don Williams. Because um, we're not allowed to play the Star Wars theme because we don't Your have the rights. Have been greatly altered because no, yeah. of this. So this is the only other song we played that wasn't a Motab song. Because we want, you know. So we found this one. Actually, and then we had to get permission from Dewan. <laughs> How awesome, awesome would it be if uh, Dewan actually went and, uh, and was in charge of leading the Mormon Tabernacle Choir? Oh, I think... Did that think, ever, has that ever happened? I, I think his, like a relative, I think John Williams uh, worked with the, during the Olympics with the Mormon Tabernacle that Choir. That's correct. Yes. But I'm not sure that Dewan, the distant cousin. Because uh, that no one talks about. No, nah, the one no one talks about. But by the way, it's just as loved in the Williams family. And sometimes maybe even more because he needs it. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, we always look to the one that needs a little more love. Yeah. That's Dwan. Hey, um, did you guys watch Thursday Night Football? Um, no, I did not. But we heard Richard Williams or Richard Williams, Richard Sherman. You got me thinking about John yeah, Williams. Yeah, Richard Sherman, Richard. <laughs> call 
Thursday Night Football in the NFL, a poop fest. Yeah. <laughs> did, he, did, he, did he say that? <laughs> Seattle fans made T-shirts with that moniker on it. Are you serious? <laughs> I am not a fan of Richard Sherman, but when he dropped poop fest, I'm did like, he? well done. Well By done. the way, they, they, you, you need to go see some of the hits last night. Goff, did, Goff got hit by the backs. Um, Goff's the quarterback for the Rams. Yeah. Yeah. But yep. he got hit. And then he went back to play, and the booth called him out of the game. Like you had a, you, your bell was rung, and they got him out of the game. Oh. But that was ugly. And then the kicker, the punter, for did you see that? The punter got the punter ran a fake punt, gained like thirty or forty yards, and then got knocked out. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, I did see the, that. The great thing about that is Seattle was up twenty-one, and Pete Carroll had a smile on his face the entire time. <laughs> totally. Which totally. is a classic Pete Carroll yeah. move. And then, yeah, let's here we go. We're going to run. We're going to fake punt we're it. 21, we're going to fake it. Now, I think I know where uh, Sherman got the idea for his name of the, the festival. Um, <laughs> did you see the uniforms? Yes. Yes. Holy yes. ugly. And the T-shirts that Seattle fans made were that color. <laughs> oh, were they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, brother. That is not a joke. What's happening to the NFL? I don't know. It's coming apart. Yeah, I mean that. Well, in the maybe best way maybe it is what Richard Sherman called it. <laughs> he totally called it. Ratings are down, so it's got to be a poop fest. <laughs> That's so true. Hey, okay, so you're not going to talk about that on your show. What no, are you no, talking we, about? No, no, we saved that that gem for the Matt Townsend. That's good. Show. We only we're the ones that get away with that. Yeah, you guys we, keep it on a higher level. We can't, we can't say stuff like that. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you, you've got. You've got you've got the editors there. You've got the <laughs> the people that keep us on the air. Yeah, I understand. So today we're discussing Tanner time, Matt. Mm. Tanner Mangum is back. Mangum Mania. His first start in a year, and it's going to be in the bowl game of all games. Yeah. This is kind of like BYU fans waiting for the next season of a show or the mm. next release of a certain Star Wars movie, you know? Yeah. People are excited about this. And because of that, expectations, I feel, are ridiculously high. Oh, brother. So what do you expect from Tanner Mangum in a new offense under Ty Detmer, making his first start in over a year? We're going to talk about that. It's big. Big. We're also going to get a breakdown of BYU's opponent, since they are actually playing someone. That would yes. be the Wyoming Cowboys. Yes. We are going to talk with uh, their color analyst, Kevin McKinney. Cool. And uh, we'll get his thoughts on the matchup, but also on just how big this game is for, for Wyoming in terms of it being a, a rivalry game against the Cougars. Lots mm. of battles over the years between these two teams. Oh, I know. Yes. This brings back echoes from the whack. Oh, absolutely. Whack did you fest. Mean, did you mean to rhyme? I've got, yeah. a, I've got a weird, funny feeling in my stomach that this could be definitely... An old-fashioned whack shootout. Yeah. Mm. This could be a 42-35 to 35 type game. This could be fun. That could be fun. I, I don't know if it will be that high, but I yeah, it, it kind of just feels like it could go that direction. You know what? I'm going to make some green T-shirts that I'm going to out, hand out <laughs> with, a, with some kind of fest on it. <laughs> whack fest. Okay. <laughs> whack fest. Don't you think? But we'll spell it with a K, W-A-C-K. Don't don't do that. Do not do that. Don't do that. Whack fest. (laughs) Um, Okay. I got to let you guys go. You got a show in four minutes. Yes, yes we do. Okay, go wax on. Good luck, gentlemen. (laughs) Thank Thank you, you, Matthew. May the force be with you. They, um, 
They have fun. I'm telling you. And Jason Shepard, see, they get to rotate people out. I only rotate people out when I'm dying. Yeah. They just ro- rotate people out. You know, someone wants a break. I'm just going out. I'm just going to take a break. Jason Shepard, Jepson. It's perfect. Hey, uh, we've got a crazy story for you that um, we we got to get back to. It was we have a, a series of news called Empty News, and uh, Ron Brokaw on the scene of a bank robber, five attempts all gone wrong. Here's Ron Brokaw. Police are looking for a man who tried and failed to rob five Manhattan banks in a three-hour span after successfully knocking one off last week. I'm speaking with Michael Atherton, manager of the Chase Bank on 86th Street, the last of the five banks in question. Mr. Atherton was in the branch when it all went down. Mr. Atherton, you seem to be still quite upset about the attempted robbery. Well, of course I'm upset, Ron. What happened to bank robbers? I've been in the business for 30 years, and the decline in robber professionalism is astounding. Did you know that bank robbers used to dress up in a suit and tie before coming into our fine establishments? Many of them even attempted to look presidential by wearing masks of former commanders-in-chief. Not anymore. These days they come in their casuals and slip a poorly written note to the teller and expect us to just fork over the tender. No, 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 sir. Not a chase on 86th. Now, Mr. Atherton, as you know, this criminal is still at large, and there's a very good chance he's listening to this program. Any advice you'd like to give this man? Yes, Ron. Now, don't get me wrong. We're flattered this man thought of coming into our establishment. However, he needs to remember that lack of preparation on his part does not constitute an emergency on our part. I'm sorry, but coming in at 4.45 is simply not going to work for us. Our employees are getting ready to clock out, and they're getting paid by the number of transactions per hour. You'll need to come in during the slower hours of the morning, preferably between 10 and 10.30 a.m. And if he simply cannot make that happen, then he'll just have to wait his turn in line just like everyone else. This man will also need to work on his spelling and grammar before he slips us another one of his notes... We also only accept notes on the proper form, filled out with either a blue or black pen. Those are the policies, and if he doesn't like them, then he's welcome to rob some other bank. If any of our listeners have any information on the whereabouts of the attempted bank robber, or if you'd like any more tips on ensuring a smooth and compliant bank robbery, please contact us here at the Matt Townsend Show. Back to you, Matt. Thank you so much, Ron Brokaw, and your great reporting on Empty News on the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, as you know, we always like to end with a hero story. Man, have I got a great one for you. A bus driver from Kennewick, Washington, did something beautiful when he saw a child board his bus who had been waiting in the bitter cold for for many minutes. Uh, the, The bus driver's name was Lunsford, and he noticed the student's hands and ears were red. They had been exposed to freezing temperatures that morning. The U.S. Army vet, after dropping the boy off, he gave him his gloves. He tried to warm him up after dropping him off at school. The vet then went to a store and bought 10 hats, 10 sets of gloves, went right back to the school and gave this young boy the hats and gloves to make sure that he wouldn't ever have to experience that again. That, my friends, is a true hero, as we all can be at Christmas time, but every day of the year. Let's be heroes to the people out there. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're done until Monday. Make it a great one. Take care of each other. We'll talk again Monday.